going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Fred Hampton Inn and Suites. Hope that you are finding this rainy Tuesday in Chicago uh, pleasant enough. Staying safe, staying dry, and keeping yourself out of the bullshit. Okay, so let's go ahead and get started on uh, today's topic, which is one that I think everyone knows a little bit about because it's kind of been unavoidable. Uh, There's been a lot of talk recently, a lot of chatter in political circles about the stock trading ban and whether or not people would support that, how much it's actually needed, and... um, just recently in the last couple of years, there's been a lot more awareness of the degree to which uh, money run our politics. And of course, you know, we've all kind of known this for a long time. We live in America. Uh, that's kind of the point is to have a lot of corporate influence, use that corporate influence to, uh, you know, influence policy, to to put dark money into elections, to advocate for uh laws and legislation that benefit your industry to the detriment of the planet or to the detriment of people, uh, doesn't matter, right? But I think in the last couple of years, we've had a lot more awareness lately over just how much of a problem this is for the motivations of our politicians, too. And this is coming up, this conversation is coming up a lot more now that there's a stock trading ban that's actually been proposed. Um, it turns out that, well, for, for, for those of you who don't have an idea or don't really know how the political process here kind of works, is a lot of the times the, the people who are picked as the candidates for either major party, uh, for major elections, so whether it's a Republican or Democratic candidate, uh, there are a lot of special interest groups lobbyists, companies that throw down money to make sure that uh, their guy is going to be the candidate so that they can make sure that they have someone in office or someone who is going to be on the ticket for people to elect who they've already vetted. They've already vetted this person to make sure that they are going to be aligned with the special interest group that picked them. Happens a lot. Uh, you know, it's 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 kind of, and that's always kind of been a problem, especially so since Citizens United, from that decision. But but what we're seeing now more, and what we're having more awareness of is the sort of direct sort of pay for play
more than 50% of all members of Congress are millionaires. And the top 10% of the wealthiest lawmakers have three times more wealth than the bottom 90%. So already we're seeing a situation where this is kind of being reflected in society as a whole, right? You have 50% or you have the, the, you know, the 1% movement that was coming out of Occupy Wall Street, how the 1% owns more wealth than the bottom 99%. Well, this is now being reflected in Congress And since it takes money to get into Congress, since it takes money to be sponsored as a candidate in Congress, and since money and interests are usually not aligned with people who, or people who come from poorer backgrounds are usually not aligned with money and interests, and they usually have different concerns for people from the communities from which they came, uh, these people who are actually from these communities who would understand Things like, you know, the need for universal health care are not even being put up as candidates. They're not even getting past the barrier to become a candidate. And look, all of you know this, so I'll get to the real meat of the discussion today, right? We kind of know that Congress has been enriching themselves with insider information for a while. This is not a new problem.
there are rules against the books on insider trading. Like it's already enough of a of a of a problem, right? But the, those laws that are on the books about insider trading specifically don't apply to members of Congress. They're exempted. And there was something called the Stock Act that came out in 2012, which created new reporting uh, guidelines or reporting requirements for members of Congress who are trading stocks. So now they have to report it, which, again, this might be why this is becoming more and more of an issue, why this is becoming more and more of something that's coming into public discourse. But uh, they're not they have to report what stocks they trade on, but they're not prevented from trading on the stocks. And there's one name here. There's 97 members of Congress here, right? There's so many. Uh, they're split pretty much down the middle as far as which party they're from. You know, uh, Angie Craig, Daniel Crenshaw's on here, John Curtis, Tammy Duckworth, Dwight Evans, Pat Fallon, Deanne Fe- Diane Feistein. When she's, I mean, like she's, she's been making a lot of money off this shit for a long time. But I, I think what really kind of busted my bubble here and the reason I wanted to talk about the swamp in particular and, and just why I think this is such a, a fucking problem is there's one member of Congress on this list who reported more than 10,500 trades. Okay. More than 10,500 trades. of that person who did all of these trades and can everyone hear okay mom you can hear but the name of the person who did all these trades is ro Khanna. it's ro Khanna. like what listen i i know a lot of people talked a lot of shit about ro Khanna in the past i'm not a huge ro Khanna stan i've always respected his willingness to go on to shows that are going to be antagonistic to him and to try to give answers, even if a lot of his answers are bullshit. But it's Ro Khanna. Making more trades than anyone else in Congress. And this is what I don't... I. So I start doing some research. Apparently his wife comes from money. Apparently the money's in a trust. They're gonna, he says that it's all traded through index funds, which... Okay, if it's an index fund, fair enough. That's not the same as what you would trade in an individual stock. But holy shit, how do we expect? How do we? This is one of the people. Rokana is one of the people who we thought was going to support the stock ban, stock trading ban. And he says that he would. And he still says that he would. But that's, a, that's not exact. Someone who makes 10,500 trades over the course of two years to the point to where 15% your congressional duties have overlapped with more than 15% of the companies that your family members have traded. 
according to this report, which include drug, make, drug, drug makers, weapons manufacturers, and oil giants, right? I, pardon me if I don't have the most faith in your ability to actually come through with what you say you're going to do. When the conflict of interest is that large, and again, these are index funds. For those of you who don't know what an index fund is or whatever, and, well, these are trades that are in a, in a trust. And he says that these, well, I'll let you know what he said. He, he actually went on to uh, Counterpoints, which is a new show from Breaking Points, and talked about this. He was asked about this. You know, why, why all these trades? What's been going on? Uh, how do you explain this? Uh, and I want to I give you his answer. I wanna, we'll, I'll give him the opportunity to give the answer back. Let me play this for you. Please let me know if the audio is working and if you can, if you can hear uh, throw a thumbs up. I can adjust the volume, but this is Rokana when confronted on counterpoints about these trades in this report. But first, I want to talk about something that's lighting up probably your mentions a, a little bit this morning. We we did an earlier segment on the New York Times investigation into uh, congressional stock trading. Uh, you you were mentioned um, in in that report as not somebody who had done any stock trading yourself, but as somebody uh, who whose wife had traded some stocks that were under the jurisdiction of a committee that you served on. I think one of the companies was under investigation or potential investigation at, at the time. Um, give us, give us your res- response to, uh, to that, to that, to the New York times article. Well, as the New York times reporter said, they, uh, my wife, uh, has assets apart from, uh, before we were married and it's almost like an index fund. It's a trust that's highly diversified. And, uh, I think the New York times reporter said it is like an index fund. So in my view, uh, she doesn't make those trades. Uh, she doesn't know about the trades. It's an independent trust that's invested broadly. Uh, and I think that's why there's no conflict. Now, I support uh, the Banning Stock Act and will vote for whatever comes to the House. But uh, I think my case is very different. I'm just going to oh, go ahead. Ryan. Is it a blind trust? I mean, and why not, why not make it a, a, a blind trust? And is that what the best law would do or would the best law you know, require particular just indexes that members of Congress, what, what is the solution here? And just to give a little story here for those, a blind trust versus a trust, right? Um, a trust you could still have not, you don't necessarily have access to the assets that are in the trust. It depends on the trust condition, but it means that you do not have any knowledge of what they are trading in trading, uh, what stocks they're trading, right? You don't see any of the activity going on with the trust, okay? That's a blind trust. So the significance of this question that Ryan's asking, which is a good one, is saying, you know, someone could say, oh, well, look, I don't do the stock trading myself. My wife doesn't do it herself. Oh, dearie, no. We have a trust accountant, and it's in a trust, and they do all the stock trading for us. Here's the kicker. If it's not in a blind trust, then you can get the information, call up your broker, and say, hey, I got something for you. I know what trades you should be making right now. You need to dump all tech stock immediately and make sure that you are buying uh, weapons manufacturing because we're about to put through a big weapons manufacturing deal and it's going to have bad influence on the tech industry. So that's the significance of that question. Let's go ahead and continue with with, uh, Rokana's answer here. I think there should be a prohibition on members trading. I think when you have a case like a spouse who's coming in with independent wealth who's 
family is tied up with all of this, so it doesn't just affect her, it affects her family, uh, her sisters, others. Uh, I think that having a uh, an ethics requirement that the person isn't trading themselves, that it's highly diversified, uh, bans any, any conflicts. But I will vote for whatever, you know, I don't get to write the law, I'll vote for whatever comes uh, comes there. But I, I do think that uh, in our case, there there is no conflict. And I think, you know, I can't uh, be saying beyond that there shouldn't be conflicts, that I don't think I should be telling my wife's family how to restructure uh, their finances other than to make sure that uh, there is no conflict. So, okay, let's just go over that answer real quick. Let's just break that shit down. He did not mention blind trusts at all. He dodged it, okay, because he fucking knows, because he knows that the blind trust means that that's that's how you don't, I mean, you will no longer be able to tell the person who is managing the trust account, or you will no longer have access to the trades that the trust account is making, okay? So dodges that, goes into this, my wife's family. Bitch, we're not talking about your wife's family. We're talking about your household. Your household. These are trades reported by your wife. This is your family. Okay? So saying he, because he talks about the prohibition being against members of Congress, but then what does he say? I don't think we should, oh, I don't think we should be mean to my wife's family who came in with all these nice assets. We shouldn't be able to tell them what to do. He's, Holy shit, my, the spider sense in me is just tingling when I hear an answer like this because he dodged the question directly. Now, he did say, I hope for whatever comes in front of me, I don't get to write the bill, which is also a little like, okay, you have the Office of Legislative Counsel, which you are the person who actually gets to sponsor the bill and dictate the terms of the bill to that office, which then writes the bill for you. But okay, potato, potato. We'll call it, we'll whatever. We won't say that you actually are physically writing the bill. Fine. But to act like you don't have control over its terms, complete bullshit. But the fact that this guy talks about, talks about letting his wife continue to make trades, how the prohibition should not go past members of Congress or implies that, and then dodges the trust part of this, the blind trust, this should be sending red flags everywhere. This is a lawyer-ass answer. And I'm trying to look up stuff about Ro Khanna, how much is he worth? And the reports I'm seeing is this guy's already worth 20 million some odd dollars. Now, I don't, I didn't see that from like Open Secrets or somewhere that has a really good uh, track record with some of these things. I wonder if I can find him on here. I, I couldn't find him. I, I want to keep checking that source, but honestly, if you're making 10,500 stock trades in a year, I would not be surprised if you have, you know, 20 plus million dollars to, because you're move. that's a lot of movement, dog. That is a lot of movement. Okay. Like these are trades. These are individual, these are trades. This isn't a matter of like, um, you know, these aren't shares from a company where you can have, you know, one share for whatever, $5,000 or something. I don't know. Like, right. It's, it's, we're talking about trades. These are activity from your account in buying or selling. That's, that's a lot. And 20 million, I'm sorry, that's plenty. But the fact that this guy is not talking about the blind trust solution 
and is instead talking about, well, my wife's family, which again is your fucking family, dude. Pardon my French, but it is literally your family. That's your wife. She's not like in the back. She doesn't have like a an a, an extra husband or an extra partner that she has these other kids with. And you're just really concerned about, you know, being a good stepdad or whatever, <laughs> you know, like that's your family because we're not counting trades that happen from your, your, uh, from the accounts from your father or your father-in-law or your mother-in-law. Just that. Look, this is someone that we're depending on a vote for, for a stock ban trade. This is one of the people we're depending on, okay, for something that's already a long shot. And he's got the most trades in in more companies than any other member of Congress. Holy shit, dude. I, I do not know what to do with this information. I do, like, I want to continue to play some of his answer for you. Because, again, my goal is not to malign Rokana or anything. Because you can go up and down this list, and it's both parties, baby. And people like Nancy Pelosi and uh, Mike Kelly and uh, who are these other? Ugh, Adam Kinzinger. Uh, yeah, Kinzinger. But his is, I mean, he made like 15000 bucks, which is a lot. But, you know, peanuts compared to all these other people, right? Um but you could go up and down this list. You can go up and down the reporting by Unusual Whales. And you see these people. It's just blatant. It's just greed. And I'm not going to excuse. It's, it, it's un, inexcusable no matter who's doing it. But I, I, I still thought. Let me, let me just keep playing Rokana's thing. Because again, and I know a lot of you all have been talking about Rokana ain't shit. For a long time, and I am with you. Okay, I'm not like I'm not a row kind of stand here, but for someone who's always gone on these leftist shows and just let himself get that ass whooped, the amount of times this guy has gone on to like Brianna Joy Gray's show, and Brianna is just grilling him, and he just sits there with that. Fa- of his answer to try to justify this shit that he's doing. Oh, is the sound still here or is it cut out? Okay, let me make sure everything's just hooked up well. Okay, still still here, still with us? Does it sound okay? Is it loud enough? Okay, hell yeah. Hell yeah, baby, we did it. We did it. Thank you so much for letting me know. Okay, here's, here's the rest of Rokana's answer and Emily Jasinski here uh, has a follow-up question. So let's let's continue. Yeah, I was going to say, it's, it's really night and day between your case study and the example of someone like Paul Pelosi. There's a very clear distinction there. And I wanted to get into that a little bit. Just one more question on this topic, because Ryan and I were discussing earlier how the New York Times investigation kind of carved out the Ways and Means Committee by sort of throwing its hands up in the air and saying, 
well, there's no realistic way to really look into this um, because the information is so general and so broad um, that it's it's very difficult to separate and to disentangle the variables. You know, who would have known what um, and how would that have influenced this, this, and that? Um, as you mentioned, you think a, a blanket prohibition on members trading is important and safeguards for spouses are important. Um, and, and what should diversification, one thing, of course, and uh, blind trust or something to that extent. Um, what is the risk uh, so that people understand somebody who's sitting on ways and means, for example, you've, you've been in Congress, you kind of know the sort of information that comes your way, even if there is no investigation, even if you're not on you know, a committee, you probably get information. What is the risk? You know, in other words, why do you support these the blanket prohibition in the first place? Well, I think there's a risk to trust in terms of uh, our people uh, it's sitting on uh, committees with jurisdiction and then taking into consideration their own stock portfolio. Of course, in my case, I have literally been one of the only voices voting against overspending on defense. I've taken on big pharma, I've taken on big oil. Uh, and so uh, the idea that uh, a highly diversified indexed fund of, of my wife, which I had before marriage, would have any influence on, uh, on me is refuted by actually my my record, and I think there's no conflict. I will say this, though, and I say this supporting a stock ban. The, the big influence in Congress, uh, in my view, is, is much more campaign finance. The, mm -hmm. What's actually motivating people's policies is the fear of super PAC funding, is the fear of campaign contributions, is the money coming in for defense contractors, for insurance companies, for big pharma, from special interest lobbies. So I support this. I think it's better to have a stock trading ban than not, but we are kidding ourselves that that is really the issue that's going to solve Congress to care about things like Medicare for All, a Green New Deal, free public college, uh, increasing minimum wage. That is the issue of dark money in politics. Yeah, it's just... So, okay. And you can listen to the rest of that if you'd like. It's I think Breaking Points made it free on their, on their channel. Uh, he continues going down that same route, but let's let's just dissect what he said one more time here, okay? Because again, he doesn't mention blind trusts, right? Again, there's no mention of it. Mentions index funds. Fair enough. For those of you who don't know what an index fund is, it's basically a collection of stocks, right, that is supposed to be representative of the market as a whole. So from a whole bunch of different sectors, from a whole bunch of different like companies, whatever, you get a little bit of uh, sort of, I guess, stock for all of those different kind of companies. And your if the economy goes up, then you've basically invested in the economy going up from an index fund. Why is that important? It's It's basically, it's not the same as you know, individual companies rise and fall for individual reasons. And those can be very particular. Uh, when the Lehman Brothers fell, uh, that wasn't the entire uh, economy falling, although it did have a huge effect on the entire economy falling, right? But if a individual business, let's say if Chili's, I don't even know if they're publicly traded, but Chili's restaurant, if they went under, and Applebee's could still be thriving, then if all of your money was in Chili's, you'd lose a lot.
and the regulatory state are more impacted by your wife's holdings than they are about the effect it's going to have on all the other people. And when you personally benefit from that insider knowledge that you have, I'm sorry, but like you, you should not be benefiting from that. No, I don't find an excuse for that. And then he goes on into his talking points, you know, the ones that you, you knew, you know, the, the old hits, Uh, but we need Medicare for all we need. And look, I agree with him there. We need campaign finance reform. We very much do. Don't get me wrong. Because again, I told you about the problem in the beginning, right? The problem is a lot of these candidates who are even put on tickets to begin with are funded by dark money in the beginning, which gives them the leg up over any kind of grassroots candidate or anti-corporatist candidate. They've all been pre-vetted, right? You don't get to be the candidate for the Democratic or the Republican ticket unless corporations have already paid for you to be there, have already donated hard to your campaign for you to be there. You just, you know, not everyone could be Bernie Sanders over here. But that is a problem, Rokana. You are correct. But here's a question. Why would I why would I be why would I trust you to solve that problem when you've now shown yourself to be this susceptible to corruption while in office? And again, I I I don't want to put all these accusations on people. But this is just the reporting, right? Maybe I won't say corruption, but like, to me, you got some splaining to do. You got some splaining to do. You know, when people talk about, oh, is it back out again? Damn. Am I back? Am I back? I don't know what's going on. I'm sorry, y'all. It's it's one of those days. Still sound okay? Okay, it might be my internet, honestly. My internet's been spotty. Did you hear the, you got some splaining to do joke, though? Because I've been working on that all night. That's, God, I was so excited about that one. I'm getting, but um, yeah, the next time this guy goes on a podcast, the next time he is in front of someone like Bree, he, he needs to be pushed. And look, we can talk about solutions. Look, th- this is, uh, maybe we'll do some, a couple solutions and then let's take some callers, but there are solutions to get around a lot of this stuff. There really are. The stock trading ban is one of them, but you need stronger legislation. You need some kind of stronger enforcement mechanism that puts hard limits on the amount of money that these people can make while in office and for five years after. Hard caps. I'm talking salary caps, like like net worth increase caps. That's one of the pieces of legislation I'm working on right now is in my you know free time, which is, God, when is that? But we're working on legislation that is meant to cap the amount that a congressperson can increase their net worth year over year over year. Just a hard cap. If they want to do all these stock trades and everything, okay, fine. 
but you can increase your net worth with it. You don't get to get the money from it. So now you're just doing it for fun because you likes it. Whatever. Although, honestly, I'm, I'm about putting the stock man in there, too. Uh, I want as many restrictions as possible to basically force the people who are going to be in office to take away any monetary incentives that they would have for their own personal gain. Like that's not public service is not the place for that, but it's just not. There's other things that we could do to actually attack the campaign finance reform part of this too. Uh, I know that group represent us has been doing a lot of work on anti-corruption legislation for years, but I don't know how successful they've actually been. Um, it's it's a bit of a mixed bag with them. Now they have passed some anti-corruption legislation and some campaign uh, publicly funded campaign legislation in certain cities across America, and they're trying to do it basically by going through ballot initiatives because that sort of circumvents the the problem of how do you get a bunch of people in Congress to vote against their own self interests when they're benefiting from the system as corrupt as it is. So. Smart move to go through ballot initiatives, go to these different states or whatever and cities and try to get this legislation on. But I don't know, again, how successful they've been at that. But I do think a big, a big sort of potential knock to a lot of this shit is ranked choice voting. Ranked choice voting, perhaps open primaries. You need to basically take away the influence that money has on securing someone as the only candidate on a ticket. Open up pathways for grassroots movements to really thrive. And ranked choice voting is one of them. You don't need as much money. It makes people not feel, we need to break out of this. It's clear we need, at this point, we need to break out of this binary of Democrats and Republicans because they're, they're both terrible, okay? Like, you don't need me to tell you that, but that's where we're at. We, I never thought I would be like a third party guy, but here I am because probably because a lot of you, honestly, and <laughs> a lot of the people who are talking to me and convincing me that, yeah, that's probably the way to go. Um, but that's where we're at. So look, take a look at this report in the New York times. I put the link in the description. Uh, I'm pretty sure I did. If I need to put it back there. I'll put the other links. And you know what? After I upload the episode, I'll put the link to this Rokana response uh, segment from Counterpoints too. And again, this is stuff we already know, but I do think it's important to just to realize how far it's gone. And a couple other things I'll say on this subject, just because this is, there are problems all the way the fuck around with this whole machine, man. There really are. And it is, God, like even take Ilion Omar, right? And I know how most of us feel about the progressives and that they don't earn that label, label and they shouldn't be called that. Um, but if we're going to call anyone the closest to a progressive in Congress right now, probably her. I mean, it probably, I mean, Bernie, obviously, but even Bernie, you know, he's a sock dem. He's a Democratic socialist. He's not even, he's moderate, right? But if we're calling anyone in the House progressive, maybe you could say Cori Bush, but that's more of like where she's from, how she came up. But Leon Omar has actually, at times, uh, 
shown a little a little bit of steel. You know, whenever the rest of the progressives are voting for additional funding for Israel, for the situation that's going on there, for their, you know, uh, the imperialism... Um, and that's Iliar and Omar, dude. I, I can't, I just can't with her. And let me, I'm going to try one more thing to make sure the audio stays in. Give me one second. Okay. Are we still here? We still here? Everybody? Bueller? Bueller? Bueller. Okay. I see the the thumbs. All right. So this is what, you know, look, the the fact that you have someone who's supposed to be the most progressive member of the house who is making these kinds of decisions and depending on giving us the ethics lawyer excuse, like, dude, I, even if you're not outright corrupt, you're way out of, you're way out of step with your voting base. You're way out of step. That is not going to assure people reassure people that you are fighting for them. It's just not. And you you can't you just can't do that shit. Or we wind up where we're at right here. We're our best last chance at getting this congressional stock trading ban passed is a guy 
who made the largest amount of stock trades, I'm sorry, whose wife's family, which includes him and their kids and his wife's, I don't know, other husband or whatever it is, but they made the most amount of stock trades by volume uh, above anyone else in Congress. So look, Trump voters, when they say drain the swamp, I just wish they can understand this. This needs to be the message that people are putting out there when it comes to, and when it comes to supporting third parties, right? These are really good case studies as to why there might be a dirty break necessary. And I cannot believe I'm saying that still because that is wild. But it, this this shit ain't working. Come on, dog. Ro Khanna, what are you doing? Stop. But anyway, that's that's what I have for the presentation. I'd love to take uh, your calls and um, we can discuss further. Or we can discuss other stuff. You know, it doesn't have to be the swamp. We can talk about lakes, maybe the oceans, maybe... We can talk about just walking by the beach, just holding hands, thinking about our socialist utopia. You know, ah, you can just hear the water. Isn't it so fresh? Isn't it nice? Ah, you can smell the salt. You smell that? That's freedom, baby. That's socialist utopian freedom. It's right there. Just waiting for you to take it. All right, we have our first <laughs> caller. All right. Hey, July, what's going on? Go ahead and unmute yourself. Thanks for calling in. I can't take it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you you just go on and on. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah, I will just keep going. I'll keep talking about uh, the beach and you know the places well, we could eat, except for the swamp. I'll say it's fresh, exciting. <laughs> <laughs> if you know that song. Um, I, I don't know if I do. What's that from? Is that a musical? It's fresh, exciting. It's so inviting to me. Nope. Oh, God, I don't. Oh. I don't. I'm going to look it up. Old, old, old funk. Oh, really? Oh, cool. The gang? I believe so. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay. It might be my singing. Okay. Well, you know, that was pretty funky. I'll give it to you. Thank but, you. Well, yeah, speaking of... Go ahead. I mean, speaking of funky... And yeah, exactly. Swampy. <laughs> I mean, okay, well, I mean, MAGA don't care about no swamp, so we need a, just to rebrand a new term. I call it the, the backdoor backwash. Okay. The backdoor backwash? Is that what we're calling the... Uh, the these members of congress now well i mean it just that's just what i've been calling it because it's just you know it's the behind the scenes bullshit but i mean definitely call it corruption <laughs> yeah but yeah. Uh, i sent you that thing last month about that tiktok guy who reports on that have you been looking at that no is that god i have to i think we were having problems with the the texting it that you sent me. Although yeah. you responded to that one, yeah, you you weren't. I, I thought I was. I thought you were getting. I did it here on the texting, um, the ch the okay. back channel chat. 
here on uh, call-in, but uh, so it's there. It's like called Quiver Quaint, something like that. Okay, okay yeah, I'll check that out. Yeah, he just does a good job of just talking about it constantly, basically. Yeah, All well, that's important. I mean, I think it's important because I, I, I honestly don't feel like a lot of people know the extent of it. And that's, it's, it's, it becomes harder and harder to defend people like Nancy Pelosi once you start seeing that she's one of the biggest beneficiaries of this sort of insider trading. Once you start see that, like, you know, her husband, and they're like, you know, they're 80 something and they're still just trying to make as much money as possible. And they're, it, they're some of the most blatant people about it. And it's, yeah, it's, it's difficult. Look, look, I, I think, I think today more than ever, at least in my lifetime, people understand the squeeze that they're under compared to, you know, what life was like back in the good old days, right? People can't buy a home. People can't afford rent. People can't afford food. I mean, inflation is actually really, it's really impacting people. And I know it's got to be impacting people on here because I know so many of the people who are calling into these shows or are hanging out on call-in, I'll see people in here, they've been going for like nine hours in a day. And there's only a couple of jobs you can do when you're on a call-in or something for nine hours in a day. And that's basically your delivery driver. So you're Ubering or something like that, or you're unemployed. And that, look, that is... You know, people have a tendency to just believe people are going to be good. Oh, July, you fell off. Do you want to come back up? There you go. Well, the sound went out. Oh, it did? Fuck. Why yeah. is it still happening? This is I, so crazy. Yeah, it might be, it might be calling because, I mean, there's a lot of little changes since the last update. Maybe it's just a glitch or something. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Sorry, y'all. Whenever the sound goes out, just like, I don't know, sing your favorite song or I, I don't even know what to do because can you still type in the chat when the sound is out? Yeah. And we've been typing. I mean, keep a half an eye on it. Just, you know, we've been saying it's out and then it's on. <laughs> we've been letting you know. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we're playing like red light, green light with, with socialism here, you know? <laughs> like, oh, yeah, someone doesn't want us talking about this. Yeah, right, right. Um, but yeah, I, I was just saying, uh, I, I think people can feel intuitively the squeeze that they're under now more than really ever before. Uh, we need to do a good job of making sure people understand that the people who are being elected and that they're electing are not their friends and do not have their interests at heart. And I think you can do that 
by showing the people who are benefiting the most from you being squeezed. And that is, that's a bipartisan issue right now, you know, and it, it has nothing to do, you know, like they, they look, abortion's super important. The vote is super important on that, but the way they toss that shit around like a football to get back into that office and then continue making money off of their insider trading is, is that's benefiting them and no one else. It's not helping us as people. It really seems as much like an addiction as anything else. I mean, I'm sure you've heard the the term hungry ghost. It's just never, you could never get enough. I mean, you know, you just want more and more and more. And you're right. I mean, people are feeling it more than ever. And I heard just the other day that the credit card, personal credit card debt is like, ballooning behind the scenes as people just whatever first pandemic and then even still there's i mean you know then declaring it's over is just such bullshit and it's ain't that something uh, uh, it's just so maddening i mean a whole group of people who are still struggling and still we have just a little bit less death um statistics than in march 2020 so it's like yeah it's a little less death so yeah we did it it feels very much like when george bush uh had the mission accomplished moment oh you remember that they're on the boat yes he's got that big stupid banner yeah he's wearing that stupid like bomber jacket he's got all those like uh navy people uh, you know navy uh uh members behind him He's just on that boat just saying, mission accomplished. And we're still 100% embroiled in both wars. Like, what what is he talking about? And Osama bin Laden wasn't dead. Literally nothing had happened. It's almost as if, if, look, when something like COVID, too, becomes more about political posturing to the people who are in charge of getting people, getting the crisis under control, when it's more about, they're more concerned about the marketing of being able to say the pandemic is over, than actually changing the shit for people, then you know your elected leaders just aren't worth a damn. You're, they're just not. Yeah, it, it it really you're hitting a nail on the head that's, that's deep and across every every part of our society. The performative is more important than the substantive. Yeah. Where as long as it looks good and it just seems. It just seems so out of control where we we're detached from ourselves. And I don't mean we, all of us, but, but just so many, so many people are, and not just these big institutions we're talking about, you know, you see it in small ways too, but just this ability to um, just detach from caring about real shit, you know? Well, one of the reasons why I, I'm i really worried about the fact that half of the people in Congress are millionaires, and look, I, you know, I'm in the professional managerial class right now. I, like, I make good money. I understand that, like, my lifestyle has changed significantly, and the kinds of deal, the kind of issues that I have to deal with have significantly changed. Um and if you're going into Congress as a millionaire, and look, not everyone inherits their wealth. I, I'm i not, you know, if someone makes, I don't know, I don't want to get into the whole, like, 
I don't think I don't necessarily think that you becoming a millionaire means that you're suddenly a bad person, but it does mean you're not dealing with the same kind of shit that non-millionaires are dealing with anymore. You're not. You're you're when I still remember the anxiety of having to pay rent when rent was due. And that's more common than, than like anything, right? Like it's, it's such a common experience when, when you are at a grocery store and you have to make sure that you are right under budget, you got to buy, you can't afford the kind of groceries you want. You have to make sure everything's on sale. You have to make sure you may have to go to multiple places to get different things just because milk is cheaper here and eggs are cheaper here. Like, I don't forget that shit. But when you're, if you come into Congress and you're doubling your net worth on average, like year over year, you're making millions and millions of dollars and your salary already is a lot compared to most people, $174,000 a year is you can pay for a lot of the shit that you need to pay for. Okay. It's, you can become so disconnected from your so-called constituents that I truly believe that some of these people actually do think that the most important issue right now is whether a trans woman should be able to compete in a swimming competition. Well, that's I think, one of the ways that they use that to to bridge the cognitive dissonance. Right. Those kind of easy, easy hot button issues, you know. Yeah. And and so much of it is performative. I mean, like, look, this this whole let's take this DeSantis situation for a second. All right. Because it's been such a big topic. It's probably it's been everyone's covered it from alternative media to mainstream to whatever. Right. DeSantis puts about 50 asylum seekers on a plane. Okay, And asylum seekers, for those who don't know, they come in. There is an asylum process in the United States. Right. You are not in uh, you're you're not an official immigrant yet, but you obtain a sort of asylum seeker status where you are allowed to remain in the United States until your case is heard. So once you're here and you're an asylum seeker, you're here legally. There's not like it doesn't mean that you're going to be here forever legally, but you're here legally. But so this isn't even like an, an illegal immigration issue. These are literally people. And if you're seeking asylum, Usually it's because you've been persecuted on the basis of your of a protected status. So it could be your your race, your religion, your sexual orientation, but you you had to leave or else you were going to because you feared basically persecution or death. That is the standard for seeking asylum in the United States. And I've I've done some asylum cases. I had one where it was a uh, a young man who it was discovered that he was gay and he lived in Saudi Arabia. Okay. If he gets sent back to Saudi Arabia, they're going to kill him. That's how it works over there, folks. There's not a, there's not a lot of tolerance for uh, being a gay man in Saudi Arabia. And if you have alternative sources that say otherwise, holler at me because I ain't seen them. And none of the research I've done has indicated otherwise. But these are the kinds of people who are asylum seekers, okay? 
they're literally it's literally if they get sent back they they can get killed and a lot of the times they do if we look at some of the statistics from people who don't obtain asylum it's a problem okay but to take these people who are in this situation and put them on a plane and then like send them to Martha's Vineyard and with another plane that's supposed to be arriving uh, somewhere near Joe Biden's house and you sent some to Kamala Harris's house and you're yeah. using state resources to do that, like you're using taxpayer dollars to do that, bitch, you got homeless motherfuckers in Florida. What are you doing? Like, why are you chartering a plane to do this? And people, I've had arguments with people now who say that, like, no, this is good policy. Uh, as if, as if, like, this somehow is going to help their economy because it would cost more or to house and feed these people. But the problem wait, is... Did you see the fake pamphlet that they made to lure them? No, I didn't see that. That is it, said, oh you know, oh, the, you you can go here and get this great job and get these, you know, I couldn't even read it, you know, completely. But, but you know, so this is more fraud and all kinds of other potential, yeah. some of the things you were saying and even more. And, and interestingly, I feel like this one is somehow sticking. This one made the the networks which are so reticent to report on anything substantive that exposes some of this crap. So this one does seem to have some some whatever it is, some darlingness that, you know, the media needs yeah. to latch on to, but so be it, you know. Yeah. There I think I think the darlingness of it Okay, here comes cynical bide for a little bit. There's two parts to the darlingness of it. Uh, one is the Martha's Vineyard response. Yes, it's Martha's Vineyard. Right? Yes. So when, when you have all these like super libs or whatever, and they come out and they're feeding them and clothing them, and they're giving them hugs on camera. And look, I think a lot of that's real. Don't get me wrong. Like, I, I, like I, that's the way that you should treat people. But well, you break being that. able to like put that out and it claims a ground of moral superiority over and and look, I mean, obviously, I mean, in this situation, they are right. Like, there's no, I mean, do you ship people on planes under false pretenses and send them off somewhere without you know any resources, or do you like feed or clothe people? I think most of us are comfortable saying the latter is probably to the extent that there is some kind of morality in the universe. That's probably has a better shot of getting you into heaven, right? <laughs> or whatever it is. Um, but sorry, you were going to say something. I, I, well, I interrupted. Just for a minute breaks down that, that those blinders that you might yeah. live like a liberal, but you don't get your hands dirty. But for this event that is brought into your backyard, I, look, I'm a, I admit it. I'm sometimes a little too Pollyanna ish, but you know, I like to think that it's going to break off those binders a little bit and at least wake them up enough to where maybe they go, huh, what? Okay, maybe maybe right. it makes moves the needle a little bit because it's that's part of the way the needle gets moved so far, how much trouble we're in is the little slow increments. I mean, I know. I, hate I think so. I hate the frog in boiling water analogy because poor frogs, but it, it, 
<laughs> but it's like that. It's just, it's the slow, well, we'll just move it a little bit and then people get used to it. Move it. That's all how all abuse systems work. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That is true. Anything that picks it up it, and knocks it off its normal trajectory. And I mean, and, and that is also a little natural too. You push it too far. And this is just one topic, but you were already talking about, we're already too far into the zone of, you know, pitchforks and <laughs> torches. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, I, I, I agree with you that there is some goodwill here. And, I do think that something that we've kind of lost a little bit of touch with and being a little too cynical on the left is understanding how to leverage this situation and the goodwill towards it and the genuine goodwill that people could have in their response towards these people who, you know, are shipped to Martha's Vineyard. I, th I think understanding how to leverage this into a broader discussion about how we need to reform immigration policy and we need to reform our asylum process and how we need to call out Joe Biden, too, for his continuation of Trump era policies with the kids in cages shit, with the, um, you know, the caravans of people who are coming over here and the inhumanity that our government currently is still showing to these people who are people. Right. I think I think and, you know, what's Brianna Joy Gray does a pretty good job of this. Uh, in she does a pretty excellent job of it, actually. But this idea, because look, there, there's people. I, I'm convinced with with the vast majority of people that I've ever met in my life. Didn't matter what political circle they were from, for the most part, unless you know, they were there were there was a tendency for them to want to be decent, to to want to help. To not want to hurt, and I know there's a lot. There's there's so many layers of this. I know that's very Disney shit, but whatever. I believe in the capacity for human beings to actually do good and to do well by each other, and that they want to just live, you know, and 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 live well and and let other people live well in return. And situations like this that call out the humanity of the people who are helping them that 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 remind you of that. That is something that we have to use to make sure that that sort of humanity is shown to people everywhere who deserve it. And that expands to those kids in cages that expands yeah. to the, the people who the media has said nothing about uh, because we switched Trump with Biden. And now we don't want to make Biden look bad because remember, it's not about what they actually do, but the perception of them as a good person, the perception that the pandemic is over the pandemic is over. You need the political points from saying the pandemic is over so that you can say mission. And I think, I think they, they, they fundamentally misunderstand these politicians. I think they fundamentally misunderstand the conditions on the ground because people cannot, you can keep telling someone like, like I said, you know, you can pee on them and tell them it's raining but you could keep telling on them eventually they're going to be soaked in urine and they smell it, you know, like they understand what's happening to them and no amount of marketing or spin 
or bullshit ass, you know, posturing is somehow going to stop them from recognizing the fact that you are not on their team. So when this kind of stuff happens, it needs to be called out, not on the people, you know, like uh, it needs to be called. We need to maximize the human capacity for caring for one another to make them understand and to make people understand that our government is failing to care for these other people and they're doing so intentionally and they don't want you to know about it. And, you know, that's why the stock trading thing gets me. And I know it's a little more in the weeds than some of the stuff we like to talk about here, but look, we need to understand that someone who says, Oh, I'm going to vote for that is a liar. Sometimes (laughs) a lot of the times, you know, like, they're feeding you what they want you to hear. But if you look between the lines and you read between the lines of what they're actually saying, you realize that this guy wants his wife to keep making money. This guy wants his wife to keep trading stocks and doesn't and wants to still be able to, in a situation, tell his wife or the trust agent, the trust broker, that, um, hey, uh, you should sell these stocks whenever a crisis is about to happen. So, you know. Well, I've I've got a couple thoughts about a couple things you said, um, and if, and I've given it a lot of thought too because you know walking through life you have these experiences and a couple of these are for whatever reason the things that I know a lot about um, just from my personal experience and one of those is how people behave in groups and i kind of think that for the most part most people kind of go with whatever is being set and if you take down if you work over years to take down all the sort of guideposts that sort of held up some of the better behavior then when you have people come along and they uh, you know are doing bad and this is small groups too you know, people tend to either be quiet or they just want to kind of get home where they can get away from that bad behavior or they, you know, just maybe you'll play both sides. I mean, there's a lot of um, variety in that kind of group, but it, it, and then the people who are sort of more forceful about their agenda if you don't have anyone standing up to them, they really can kind of easily run roughshod over everybody. And, and and they work together to sort of like undo the people who are more inclined to be speaking out and trying to uphold, you know, some better behavior. So I agree with you 100% that we've lost the ability to sort of leverage the better moments in a sea, a swamp of, you know, where performative uh, behavior is also false advertising. I mean, we are just awash in constantly being sold to, and there are no rules that you can just sell, sell, sell the most bullshitty, of products. I mean, you know, you listen to every drug company just selling, you know, the drugs and they have to say real fast at the end, it may cause you to die, but you know, tell a friend about it, you know, and then a song that's kind of like the Beatles, but not quite, you know, they just have undone every sort of rule that 
that just had some sort of repercussion if you broke it. And that's, that's what's happening with these stocks. It's happening with taxes. It's happening. And, you know, the little people, they, they stand on the, the little people because they don't have that ability to take advantage of it. Yeah. You almost yeah. are saying you better break the law. You better find a way to take advantage of it. You take advantage of the people lower than you um, or you're a sucker. Right. If you don't get in the game and play by these fucked up rules, then you're the sucker. Yeah. So yeah. It's you just, are, you're the asshole at that point. Yeah, you're um, the one that's letting, you know, people take advantage of you. And they always put the impetus on the person to, oh, well, you should have somehow known that person was lying to you. You should have somehow known that person was manipulating you. And the, so it's just all back-ass words, you know? And yeah. And so, but that's why a moment like this is, could get swallowed up in the next news cycle. But um, in the bigger moments, I, I really think a lot about 9-11 or Katrina or the pandemic, yeah. you know, the big, big out of nowhere crises, crises yeah. that, that where if we had a, a certain kind of leader, who, even if they weren't that much that kind of person before, but the call to bigger action just says, oh shit, I gotta, I gotta step up here and do something bigger. And it seemed like the pandemic, if there was going to be something that really did. Yeah. It'd be the, the pandemic should have done it, right? The pandemic should have done it. But I mean, like those opportunities are still there now, yes. which is what I find baffling. They're like, look, Mississippi, as far as I know, and there just hasn't been enough reporting on it lately, though, still. But as far as I know, they still don't have reliable drinking water right now. It's been, we're going on three weeks. And even before that, they were under a boil order to boil all their water back in, I think, end of June. And they still don't have reliable drinking water. And I haven't seen any federal funding or any reports of federal funding going to Mississippi to fix their water treatment facilities. And then we just had this hurricane in Puerto Rico again. Like we just did this shit, dog. And and again, here we are having to. There's they they were without power. Their power grid has been taken out again, and there's been no investment. And that is that is a crazy thing because our politics act a lot like our and our politicians act a lot like corporations do, which is one of the biggest problems with corporations and sort of corporate. Uh, uh, God, what, corporate governance and laws regarding, um, you know, how corporations are allowed to function is they they are all about maximization of shareholder value. What does that mean? Okay, the people who actually own the investment, like the the people who own the majority stakes in the company. So they're the ones who are the ultimate landlords of these companies. They don't do any of the work most of the time, unless it's someone like a Jeff Bezos. But even then, at that point, you're not doing most of the work. It's impossible for one person to do most of the work. It's ridiculous. But they're making the most money from it. And the legal structure here is that if you're a CEO or a CFO or you work for this company – you have to maximize shareholder value. 
to uphold your fiduciary duty. And again, your fiduciary duty is just your legal duty of care and to the company. I'm sorry. Why? What's funny? Fiduciary? Yeah. Duty. Yeah, that's it. Go ahead. Laugh. Poop jokes, baby. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, this, but it is, it's a load of shit, actually, this fiduciary duty, because when you maximize shareholder value and you're paying out your shareholders, the dividends of the, of the profits from the corporation on a quarterly basis, you're only making the decisions that are best for that corporation or best for that corporation. They're not best for the corporation. They're best to maximize the money for those shareholders on a quarterly basis. So you're doing whatever you can every quarter to just make more money. Okay. That doesn't account anything for the long-term health of your company, for the long-term livelihoods of your employees, for taking care of them, for doing the right thing for the planet, for none of that is considered. And in fact, if you consider any of that, as opposed to maximizing shareholder value, you can get in legal trouble. You can go to jail for not maximizing shareholder value, but you, you can't go to jail for if you're maximizing shareholder value or you won't go to jail if your maximization of shareholder value is literally poisoning the planet. How stupid. Ooh. We are so dumb. Like, dog, oh. that is so dumb. And our politicians do the same thing. They want to be elected. They want to stay relevant. Look at all these people who became big Trump people and they never were Trump people. You know, these politicians who now, the Chris Christie's, the, the Marco Rubio's, all these people who they just want to remain here. Ted Cruz, who, you know, the guy, and what's, oh God, Ted Cruz is bad enough on his own damn like terms by himself, but his capitulation to just trying to stay here to just saying, you know, doing whatever they can. I mean, there were reports of um, Gavin Newsom who might run for president. He should shut the fuck up and just sit down. Sorry for saying that, but he needs, no one wants Gavin Newsom. We don't, we're not going to, the Gavin Newsom is not like the hero we're waiting for, you know, like, what is that? It's, it's not it's not going to do the trick. You know, it's just the soft, affable version. And I mean, you know, I, there's a little bit of satisfaction that he'll put up billboards in other states, you know, that saying, come to California, have an abortion. If you need one, we'll be here for you. But he's not solving any of the fucking problems. It's no. it, one little drop in the bucket the one that's the most hot button issue but you aren't taking the bull by the horns and really because he can't tackle his own addiction to being rich you know yeah and and getting you know like just getting uh remaining relevant being in uh you know like power or whatever uh and and you know, he's already someone who has, um, look, he's already someone who said he supported Medicare for all and then walked that back. And no, now yeah. here we are, that's you know, true. so he's just lying just to get in power. And that's, we cannot solve our problems. Can you still hear me? Yes. And, and listen, okay. and since someone has is finally there and I'm sorry to, somebody came up a couple times and we didn't let him in, <laughs> but oh me, yeah, no worries. Let me let Fahim in, but I'll just say, I mean, by just make those 
legislation things you're working on and then it's got to be just loud 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 because i mean there are just some things that aren't supposed to be for profit water food education health yeah exactly anyway okay bye (sighs) well oh shit let me give me a second here I'm hearing my own voice over a microphone. How do I do this? Okay. Is that working? Is that better? Can you all still hear me? Still still good? Let's see if this works. All right, cool. Fahim, what's going on? Thanks for calling in. Uh, no worries, uh, Biden. So I have a question. Uh, you are, I hear this like buzzing thing behind uh, me. Is it on your end also? or? Um, I'm not hearing it behind me right now. Okay. So, uh, so either way, so the question that I have is what makes, uh, you're a very uh, like sensitive person that I think. Uh, compared to like I am in the sense of like if we were going out uh, hiking with a third uh, person, if somebody's uh, it's like ah okay yeah, the the uh, smell of potatoes coming over here is smells so good <laughs> and I, I, I and you maybe okay. be like okay let's go uh, yeah we can go and have a breakfast I would be more like oh okay great now let's keep uh, walking for me I'm more of like okay if you're hungry tell me you're uh, hungry I, I'm right. not gonna get those uh, like indications uh, and all but that being said the thing that I am curious about is what do you think and I know you're not a shrink uh, at all but what do you think is the mindset behind people who have so much money and still are like okay, we gotta keep on doing these uh, dabbling in uh, stocks and making more money and more money and more uh, money. Because I get the part of where somebody is like, you know what, I cannot make the changes in this uh, system uh, by myself, uh, and I just want to uh, survive. So uh, I uh, got my uh, hands uh, dirty, but then they are like, okay, I've made enough where I don't want to deal with any of this uh, thing and I'm going to take a step back and uh, as opposed to uh, like, okay, I'm going to be making more and more and more. So I'm just curious, as right. what do you think is uh, the uh, uh, mindset behind uh, that? I'm just curious. I think there's a lot of parts to it, honestly. I think there are a lot of parts to it. I think, at the core, at least in the initial stages, it's about having, there's always, especially if you come up with economic anxiety, I think there is a part that feels like I want to make sure that no one in my family ever has to work again. Yeah, but I have $100 million of of that, for example, the Pelosi's and all are worth, I'm like, okay, how much is uh, nobody's going to have to work? Like how many generations? Sure, exactly. 20 or what? But the other part, and that's where a lot of these other parts come in. Uh, There's a big part of it that is based on a lot of these sort of greed is good mentality that is sort of propagating on us and has been for a long time. That somehow making money and the more you make is a sign of how worthy you are. Uh, There's a virtue to it. 
you make more money because you deserve to make more money. And people don't make money because they don't deserve to make more money. And if you're poor, then it's your own fault for being poor because look what I did and I got rich. And I think that part allows people to take away some of the guilt that should be associated with. You broke up uh, by frequency dark. Should be some of that um, idea of you moralizing the fact or justifying the fact that people who make money deserve to make money and are somehow morally superior. And that is why they make more money and, you know, telling people or believing that people who don't make money, it's because of their character flaw. It allows you to sort of pathologize it, right? You pathologize it and it, it can take away the empathy or the sympathy that you would feel for someone otherwise who would be at the bottom. And especially if you have that mentality after coming from the bottom and you can sort of convince yourself that, well, if I did it, they can do it too. Um, that, that being said, a lot of other things start to come into play, which are even more uh, just petty, honestly. Like the, the idea of you being invited in certain social circles. Look, you can uh, look at Obama, right? Obama was just some senator. He got some, you know, he had plenty of social circles, but you go to Harvard, you do this. Now you can basically call up Jay-Z and Beyonce and just invite them out to dinner or something like that. There's got that. And then you get to brag to your friends about it or whatever. You know, yeah, I was just uh, having dinner with Beyonce the other day and uh, she dropped us a little bit of her new album. You know, that kind of shit. It's like, it's like that stuff starts to compound itself too. Right. And then this idea of like, God, there's so much, man. There's so much. But but I think we have a lot of work to do as far as deprogramming people from thinking that somehow having money is the greatest thing you can ever have or that like having money for generations is even the greatest thing you could have or should have. I think generational wealth makes a lot of shitty kids, dude. I think it makes a lot of people who really kind of suck. No offense to all y'all who inherited your wealth or whatever, but you're probably not on this call in. Um, That would be wild if you were, but I've met, you know, to, to think that like being removed from your community or being removed from like the normal everyday people is somehow benefiting you in a way that is making you better than anyone else or more interesting than anyone else or more capable than anyone else, I think is, it's the complete opposite. It's making you into a, it's letting people look when you have so much money that people just let you get away with it, that no one's keeping your dumb ass in check, you know, like, you start getting those behaviors from people like Trump or people like Epstein or people like Harvey Weinstein or these people who are on these power trips who no one ever just beat their ass sometimes, you know? And I don't mean like a parent or something, but like, you know, if you say some stupid shit in a certain, in certain neighborhoods, you're going to get people going to call you out for it. It's actually going to help to smooth those edges that you would otherwise not have. But if you have money and people are there to be around you for that money, they're not going to call you out when you need to be called the fuck out. And then you get a big tantrum baby like Trump, you know, and it's, I don't know, man. It's, yeah, it's a lot of psychological shit. 
but no and and, and i appreciate uh, the uh, answer i was uh, just uh, curious because when i first uh, immigrated to the us my aunt who had sponsored us she told uh, me uh, when i first got to the us of like okay uh, fahim in america to be successful you have to be either educated uh, and or you need to be aggressive and her uh, thinking of uh, education was like uh, more like a vocational uh, education and uh, but at that time i didn't think too much of it but over time uh, like when i see this uh, part of like making more money more money of this fear of like okay this can all go away so i need to keep on doing more and more and to me i'm like that's like a uh, gangland mentality of uh, right. like okay if i don't do uh, if, if i uh, don't keep on looking over my shoulder i'm going to get uh, uh, some uh, young uh, buckaroo is going to come out and whack me uh, yeah. so it's and and to me i'm like do we really want to live like that i mean in like a uh, gangland mentality or, or, or what it it's i think i mean omar said it really well in the chat when he's talking about it's a system or what was it again it's a system legitimizing ideology you know and there there are sort of system legitimizing aspects of american life which create people who are just constantly looking over their shoulder constantly looking out for theirs constantly you know uh but is, isn't it scared sort of like a, isn't it sort of like a social eugenics now that we have of uh basically survival of the fittest without uh, like taking uh, taking out the biological aspect uh, of it because it seems yeah it sounds, I, I, yeah yeah uh, i think that's correct that i think so, i think there's a lot of that i mean this idea that like you got to get yours this idea that they want you to be as individual uh, or they want you to think of yourself only as an individual. Uh, it's always the individual, which is the greatest thing. And look, and being a, like a personality or having some individuality to you is cool. But the cool part about really individuality is when you find someone who has that same sort of love for some quirky thing that you like, you know, like if you find a group of dudes who love Kung Fu movies as much as you do, dog, it's fucking on. You know, because then you're getting together, getting some popcorn, watching Kung Fu. And it's 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 that sense of like social isolation, which people prey on, though. And corporations prey on that hard in this country in multiple ways. Like, look, the idea that you have the biggest, baddest or the most important or like the person who speaks the best or whatever. You got to get the A plus. You got to be the Victorian, You got to be this and that, because that's those are the people who are really going. I can't hear you. Hello? My God. Yeah, are you here? Yeah, yeah. Did you hear that? Sorry, I just said fuck my butt. That was not a command. That was just a uh, frustration, just so we're clear. Um, but, you know, you get these corporations that are telling you you have to be the prettiest, you selling you makeup, saying, hey, you're not pretty enough, um, keeping you isolated in your own home or apartment, not really building off of you as a member of a community, but building off of you as an individual consumer. Uh, and that plays a lot to like your, they'll play a lot to individual psychology. I mean, there are so many, uh, like, there are so many ways in which just, I don't know, this, this, 
uh, put it this way. I think I think corporations tend to make a lot more money off of people whenever they are trying to convince the person that the thing that will fix them as an that something first something is wrong with them as an individual, right? Yes. And then second, that the thing that will fix it is this consumption of this commodity, of this thing, right? Yes. And you see it advertised in so many ways, even when it, com- even when it comes down to stuff like, you know, body spray or something like that. Like the only thing, the only reason why you get no bitches is because you ain't got Axe body spray on, which is, you know, ridiculous. But like, it, it, it's... Oh, fuck me again. Am I yeah, here again? Good, good, Am I still here? Good. Okay. Yeah, Look, I feel... Axe body spray, uh, uh, yeah. Okay, Axe body spray. Um, you, Axe body spray, they're trying to convince you that, you know, all you no, need I, is a little I, bit of spray and you get more bitches or whatever. Uh, yada, yada, yada. I get that because I'm in a uh, uh, industrial sales environment, and a lot of times when I would hear about these new widgets uh, coming out and this uh, fourth uh, generation of uh, Internet of Things and so on and so forth, uh, and and I look at it and I'm like, okay, uh, sounds all fancy and all, but at the end of uh, the, the day, I'm like are uh, who's going to be going and doing uh, making all of these uh, changes and i mean how is it really going to work out in the field and most of the time uh, it's uh, not because they'll have to hire more uh, people uh, and all to do uh, checkups on like which equipment is going down uh, and they're not going to do that so i'm like Okay, so we're just uh, basically pushing shit for the sake of pushing shit. uh, uh, And uh, what's the point (laughs) of that? So I I, I get it. um, But finally, on a lighter note, when you were talking about Washington and Swamp, uh, speaking of the movie night uh, thing, have you ever watched Quiz Show? uh, Quiz Show? John Turturro and uh, Ray Fiennes. No, I don't think I have. It was based on the uh, game uh, 21 uh, that was rigged in the 50s. And uh, it, um, it's based on a true story. It's a Robert Redford uh, uh, story. So there was a part in the quiz show where uh, they go to a um, fancy uh, college uh, restaurant uh, place in New York. And uh, uh, one of the guys who is uh, from the uh, um, uh, uh, government uh, investigating the quiz show, he um, uh, is introduced to the professor's uh, dad, which is uh, which was Mark Van Doren. Uh, and so uh, basically he, um, as, uh, it, the dad, Mark Van Doren, says uh, that Washington, yeah, they traded malaria for politics. <laughs> it's a it's a really classic uh, movie. The lines in that movie is amazing yeah. because at that same restaurant, the guy orders a, a Reuben sandwich, and he uh, so he orders a Reuben sandwich, and and he says that yeah, I, they have the Reuben sandwich, but I don't see any Reubens uh, around here. Uh, so it yeah, the lines in that movie 
I think you would really, really like it. So, okay, but, yeah. But anyway, I'll check out Quiz Show then. Yeah, thanks for taking my call, though. Appreciate it. Okay, you broke up again, but I'm going to hang out. Oh, always oh, a pleasure talking to you. Sorry about that. Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, you're back now. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Well, I think now is the perfect time to do my one man show. Okay. <laughs> Okay, fade from black. The screen is black, just like my black heart. Cold. Everything. <laughs> Cold. All I see are members of Congress. Taking all my motherfucking money. I can't be having them do that shit. Screen lights up. Me, standing there, waving. I don't know, I was going to say a flag, but that doesn't work. All right, I guess back to uh, July real quick. And then, uh, Mom... <laughs> Okay, July. Hey, welcome back. I can't take it. Oh, oh, no, no, it's okay. We'll take it together. You have to be strong. Oh. <laughs> hey, shut up. Shut the fuck up. We have to take, we have to take Congress back. This Is this my January 6th movie? I don't even know what this is. Um, it's, it's a pitch. It's for the map. We'll need to do another draft. Okay, yeah, yeah. We're working on it. We're working on it. We'll We'll, we'll get there. We we will get there, but um, yeah. Do you have a? Did you just want to participate? Did you just hear some improv and you felt excited? <laughs> I to stop the one man show. I was just disrupting. <laughs> okay, well, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I'll go back to drafts and then I'll um. Uh, but for now, I'll go ahead and uh, take the opportunity to talk to my mom again. Let's well, let's go back. Ex- oh. Yeah, I don't really need to stay up here. Let me let Lorraine. All okay, right. if we go back to, if we go back to the show stuff, then I'll call you up and we'll we'll do a whole scene and yeah, I'll be able get it to going for like four or five seconds and then I'll be right back up. So okay, okay, perfect. <laughs> All right. Okay, good thing. All right, bye. All right, hi mom. What's going on? Hi, can you hear me? Yeah, I can. You sound great. Oh, oh good. I never know. Yeah, so, no, it's it's. Um, <laughs> Thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I like your topic as usual. I don't have uh, much to contribute, but I happen to be listening to um, the podcast that you did on The Queen. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. I just wanted to make a comment <laughs> on that show. Uh, okay, wait, sure. I, I haven't heard the whole thing yet, but <clears throat> okay. for the first part, it was really funny. Um, and I think it's really sweet that you had spent the last few days really... Um, diving into the whole queen thing yeah because you didn't really you know pay attention until she died and then now you're really interested to find out what you know the history and who she was as a person and then all that is kind of neat so i wanted to share this with you so okay is this like pro queen queen propaganda now are uh, we well, are we swearing our allegiances to the royal family i'm not pro or con in this subject, but there's an interesting story about your grandfather. So, Oh, really? I'm going to play this song for you. Huh. Do you remember this song? Anyone? It sounds really, I don't know. 
No, I don't remember it. God, it sounds okay. familiar though. Yes. So, um, it's a beautiful song, and it's called The Elizabeth Serenade. And it was written in 1967 by James Last. And the story behind this song is this is a year uh, Grandpa Conde went to Oxford. And oh, yeah. His first experience in London. Uh, first time he was on a bus, this song came on. And. Uh, he was just taken away with, I mean, he fell in love with the song. Hmm. And it's his favorite song. So hmm. um, that was just, I mean, when you think about him back then, young man, first time overseas at Oxford, and this is the first song he hears. It's all pretty romantic. And yeah. The song was written for Queen Elizabeth. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And that's that's nice. Might, yeah. I thought you might be interested in that history. That makes a lot of sense why dad likes classical music so much. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And it, I love this song too. I think it's abs it's also one of my favorites. Um, yeah. Just because of that story and just it's a sweet, sweet song. Um but the whole era of Queen Elizabeth, um, when an era like that ends, I don't, I think if you're paying attention at all, you can't help but be, uh, feel some emotion, you know, about the ending of a, such a reign like that. So, yeah, I look, yeah. I, I get it from like a, I, I have like two separate parts of my brain, you know, like two really kind of dialectical parts of my brain, I guess, but. One of them just loves the a lot of the romantic stuff, you know, and I, I kind of like the like I kind of liked going back and watching her give speeches and, you know, how she was there in World War Two and World War One. And you can kind of you, you start to see these common markers of like an era for a lot of different people and how many eras she was like relevant in. And that part of my, you know, the fairy tale sort of romanticized part of my brain. Mm -hmm. finds all that stuff like super appealing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, where I was kind of getting caught up with Queen Elizabeth in particular and the royal family is, you know, they are from monarchs that did terrible things and were ruling over a British empire during the time that had done a lot of really terrible things. I mean, you know, it's, it's one of those things to where it's kind of how I feel about like, sometimes some of the stuff the founding fathers did, you know, like mm -hmm. I'm not like the biggest founding. I, 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 I was never like the biggest, like, Oh, I love the founding fathers or whatever. Mm -hmm. But like, you know, sometimes it's like, Oh, that's pretty sick. Mm -hmm. You know, like, like, Oh, that's, that's pretty cool. But then you gotta, I, I don't. Hello? Oh, God. Hey, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Okay. Oh, God. Your butt. Oh, fuck. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my ass. <laughs> my fucking ass. Okay, sorry. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, like with the queen, look, I, 
I did more research on the queen too. And I, I, I will say this, I think, I think there's a lot of that illusion that should probably be shattered, but I think that we could still play in the nuance of understanding. I don't know, like, look, because you know, once you start seeing the shit that was going on in fucking India, holy shit, mom, that is what the, that is, I I can't believe like, I would still be mad if I was Indian, honestly, some of the stuff that was going on there. As you know, a lot of people are. Still yeah. And, and, um, be mad as hell. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see if, uh, King Charles can keep it together. Oh, that motherfucker seemed like each, he ain't shit, each, mom. Each generation is going to have a more difficult time with mm-hmm. uh, maintaining, um, this whole thing. So they should make it like, I mean, look, there's a lot of it that there is a weird part to it. It's so weird. It's one of the weirdest things I've actually ever seen. The more I think about it, because it's it's a symbolic <laughs> thing that they just incredible. all keep up. Yeah. God, what are they doing? Like, what is going on it's there? Like everybody I, in the country part of the procession, and everybody in the country a soldier and a you know. I, I yeah, a guard. everyone. Apparently, apparently, yeah, yes. Everyone. I mean, it was it was wild as hell. Like, I didn't watch all of it, but I, the parts that I saw. Mm-hmm. Is you just see these people who are going nuts. Like they're just, they're all crying and they have the whole, like the procession line is like literally days and days long. Like yeah. why, why are you doing this, dude? Like <laughs> what the hell are you doing? I, yeah. I I don't get it, but it's, yeah. it's clear that, I mean, they're one of the weirdest countries ever in so many ways. Like <laughs> they, they get rid of the power of their monarchy, but then they just keep them. Just because they like them, you know, like they just like the idea of having a king or a queen. I mean, other than the historical architecture, I mean, what is the draw? What is special? What is special? Yes, about UK. Huh? I mean, they got they've had some good music. I won't lie about that. They've had some really good music coming out of there. I mean, like they they're probably the only place. I I mean, America, I still think has got them, but fuck, they had good music. And, and things like that. Yeah, accents, Joe says. You know, if you don't a nice, have, a nice accent, mum. You don't have the monarchy. What's Come that? over here to England, please. And that Come was, to England. That was Bill that called in to be your ex. Yeah, okay. yeah, that was this Bill. Is too funny, you guys. Are Bill is hilarious. <laughs> I, I was dying that episode with everything oh, yeah. Bill was saying. I just I wish he had a better microphone for that episode. Oh my God. He was, he was on fire and everything. And, and he was just, you know, cause I didn't really know shit about the queen. You know, mm-hmm. I, I didn't know anything about the queen really. I, and he's had all this knowledge and he just kept talking about watching the crown and that's uh, how he learned it all, you know? Yeah, right. But it's it was fun. And look, I, I don't know. I get it. Look, I, I, I would like to, God, I have a compulsion to want to look at people like the Queen or like, you know, someone like George Washington and just, you know, shed a tear and be like, that was, that, that was, you know, her grace, the grace that she had was so wonderful and just helped our own nation. She was the heart of an empire. You know that like weird, yeah. just kind of like worship 
ooh, cult of personality stuff. But I've really, in the last five years, honestly, mom, I've had to check myself on so much of that because I went, I thought Obama, I cried when he got elected. And I was like, yeah, he's going to save us. It finally happened. You know, Obama's here. And now we'll never have to worry about racism again. And I'm just like <laughs> seeing seeing how much of a shit show that ended up being. And look, oh, not on. definitely not a shit show compared to George Bush. So hard on Obama. Look, because when I it think about things that matter, mom, I think about no, okay, let me rephrase then. Okay. I think as far as his ability the unwelcome okay. he had. I know, Mom. All of that I is mean, true. The unwelcome from, is true. All of that is true. The tan suit controversy, the yeah. putting monkeys on shirts, the the amount of racism and other stuff that he had to put up with. All of that is true. It's right. also true that he increased U.S. drone strikes more than any other president and like 10 or 20 or ridiculous amount more than even George W. Bush after getting the Nobel Peace Prize, he's doing this shit. I understand and, that, but he, yeah, he inherited that war. So. Yes, but and when that, you inherit you know, the war, you I, don't I know, have to continue it. You know, and you don't have to increase have the use of drone strikes. Like, you that okay, you you signed up for the job, buddy. You signed up for it. different opinions, and then you okay. have to... Try to make the best one that you can. So it's not easy. That's all. I look. I get it, Mom. But mm-hmm. tell it's not easy to the people whose families are destroyed because he was doing drone strikes because he couldn't figure it out. You know, like there's only so much rope I can give somebody. There's only so much grace I can give somebody. And when it comes to the people who are responsible for America's the world stage for all of the policy for using all the mass resources that we have and your choices are okay I'll bail out Wall Street I'll you know bail out the auto industry and the auto you know some of that uh, you could argue the economic the economics of it or whatever but this this idea that increasing drone strikes was something that he inevitably had to do that the continuation and escalation of troops and and the uh the ousting of people like Muammar Gaddafi. Mm-hmm. That country has, will never recover. Mm-hmm. Will never recover. And the, the crazy thing is, and this is one of the reasons why sometimes it's dope for dad to be around and just like be talking about some of this is, you know, well, we, we're, in, we're in a little bit of an information tunnel here mm-hmm. in the United States. And the only thing I ever heard about Muammar Gaddafi is, you know, a killer a a tyrant, all of these things. And I'm not saying he was a good guy, but I am saying that
deeply mean to him. I know he had all kinds of like, you know, people. Uh oh, the sound back. Um. Yeah. I mean. Oh I, God. How how was, out it was, was it? Out. But now you're. I can hear you again, and you were talking about uh, Omar Gaddafi and. Uh, and Omar Gaddafi. Yeah. And how it will never be the same. And I. Yeah, they sell slaves over there. That, um, I know that if you talk to an average American, they'll say he had it coming, but. If you talk to someone that um, has not grown up in America and pays attention to politics around the world, like your father, yeah. you get a, a better view on on all that stuff for sure. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. he he's interesting because he'll have those takes, but then he'll come back and we'll be on a car ride and he'll be like, "God bless everything Nancy Pelosi has ever done." <laughs> I'll be like, "What are you talking about, he's dude?" Not for Nancy. <laughs> Pelosi. He, he, he wants. Sexy. He, he yeah. Thinks, she yeah. He's always talking about how beautiful she is. I, I mean, to be fair, to be honest though, mm-hmm. when she came out with that, this is gonna sound. I'm sorry for all of y'all. This is gonna be real crass. But Amy Schumer was like talking about like I don't know. There was some kind of podcast, and someone I was one of my friends told me that Amy Schumer's talking about how big Nancy Pelosi's like titties were. <laughs> this is so crass. <laughs> but like, but then a bathing suit photo of her came out. Mm-hmm. And I was like, damn, <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I, I get it. I get it. I get if someone's attracted to Nancy Pelosi. I get it. Mm-hmm. Even though it's like, I, she's like 80. I don't know what I was thinking, and, but know, like, women, she looked good. You know, she looked good. I admire her a lot because she, um, look, I, I, came up in a time when men were controlling everything and she just, uh, she just, you know, yeah. held her own and got right in there and very confident and very smart. So, you know. Yeah, no one's going to knock her for some of the smart, you know, like, mm-hmm. it's just the policies and the things that she does with the power. As well as every other, you know, are these bullshit-ass men who are there, too. You know, exactly. it's not like a... Right. But, like, be better, you know? I, like, I, 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 Yeah, and I would love it if they would also... Um, control the uh insider trading that that angers me a lot and uh yeah it should so i'm all for that you know <laughs> look at that person's comment i know i know <laughs> i'm seeing it i'm laughing at it it's funny <laughs> yeah anyway i just wanted to call and talk about that so you know that about your grandfather yeah that's awesome that's yeah. really awesome and, you know sometimes i forget that he you know, I pro- he probably had some kind of love for Britain, even though it's it's wild because I know, you know, it, it's so complicated their history in Nigeria. Very complicated, yeah. They a, a lot of the place that Nigeria is at right now is directly attributable to mm-hmm. some of the colonial policies that they implemented. You know, yeah. but you know, he did go. They did send that motherfucker to Oxford. That's right. And but I don't know. You know, that's. Uh, Look, history's messy, dog. History's messy. That's why I don't like to put a whole national identity of, like, nation evil or something. Just because, like, you got to look. It's always made up of a bunch of different people who are pushing for different policies and maybe some, you know, more evil than others. But it, it's hard. apply that to the individual as well. Yeah, I do. But, like, mm-hmm. first of all, you know, Barack Obama uh, don't got no tig old bitties, so I just don't care about him as much. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but he, does have swagger. But he has swag. Don't get me wrong. Obama has swag. Yeah. 
he, he clearly has swag, but I just think, man, like for you to have all that potential and just completely just miss it. Cause here's the thing about Obama too, man, he cares enough about his legacy and he cares enough about his popularity and all these things that if he were to come into office today, mm-hmm. I, I think he'd be a less of a neoliberal mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. I think he would, I think he'd see Bernie and try to be like a cooler Bernie in some ways. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know what I'm thinking about that. I guess, I, I, I mean, Bernie was still there. dog. <laughs> Bernie's just a, he's different, you know, yeah. and I don't mean to be on the forever love Bernie train, but I just respect a dude who, even in the time when he came into power, yeah, believed the same shit. The same thing for and like, he's been right about it. I know. He's been right for 40 years. He's been right. Yeah, and he's he was right way before it was politically convenient to be yeah. right. You know, yeah. like when you're like talking about he truly cares and and works hard for the people. Yeah, I think he does, and but you know, he also I think has you know blemishes as well. He know. does not as many. I mean, you know, the Ukraine spending bill he approved, but I think everyone like people would have been crucifying him if he didn't spend for Ukraine. But at the same time, people have been crucifying you anyway, so. Why don't you do what's right? And yeah, it's and it's he, difficult. He went to that. Uh, he was speaking somewhere. At a, um, maybe it was a black college or somewhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, all lives matter. <laughs> Is that what he said? I don't remember that. It was before people uh, knew that was not the thing to say. And, oh, um, well, then, yeah, that, he, he clearly. He said that, and, and everybody in the crowd just man they came they, they came down on him <laughs> just and thinking of birdie being like, he, like what hit, he didn't know what hit him he's like what what did i say what did i say what well of course all lives matter that's what i've been fighting for for 40 years what are you telling me that's racist oh i didn't well well then <laughs> he's an old white guy god he it, he's just an old he, he, he don't he pay attention to any of that shit he, he got it but no one yeah at first that that at first because it was, it's obviously a gaffe. He didn't, he didn't ever support the all lives matter movement, right? It's right, not, right. he didn't know what it was. No, That's he why. He was, I mean, my favorite Bernie well, clip. yeah, all lives do matter. Yeah. Huh? Can I, I'm just going to play my favorite Bernie clip real quick. Okay. And then I'm going to have okay, Omar in I'll here. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. Bernie. Uh, I just, oh, I fucking love. With those kids. Yeah, which one? Okay. Which one? Um, when he tells the kid that he's stupid. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> uh, I hope I can find it on here. Where is it? Uh, is this it? Yeah, hold on. Okay, this is um. <laughs> <laughs> this one he's talking to the New York Times editorial board. Uh, okay. Uh, from like the weekly or something. Y'all, y'all will probably know this clip, but this is this is my kind of shit. I love this shit. Anyway, here here's Bernie Sanders and okay, probably and help me his... hang up because I don't know how to. Okay, uh, okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, all right. Here it okay. goes. All right, ready? Yep. Look, I don't tolerate bullshit terribly well, and I come from a different background than a lot of other people who run the country. I'm not good at backslapping. I'm not good at pleasantries. If you have your birthday, I'm not going to call you up to congratulate you, say you love me and you write nice things about me. That's not what I do. Never have. And I, and I you know, I, just, I, I take that as a little bit of a criticism, self-criticism. 
I've been amazed at how many people respond to happy birthday. Oh, Bernie, thanks so much for calling. Yeah, it works. It, it's just not my style. Um, you know, I try to stay focused on the important issues facing working families in this country. And I fight for them. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I love it. You oh, happy to, birthday. You have <laughs> to send that to Oh, girl, if you see, I haven't, I will. But if you see the facial expressions of the people in the room when he's telling them that, he looked like he just canceled all of their birthdays. I swear to God, Bob. They're they're like doing the side eye at each other. And he's just like, oh, happy birthday. Send it to family WhatsApp. Okay, I will. To our WhatsApp, I'll do that. All right, right, Mom, love you. Thanks for calling. Thank you. Bye. Okay, bye. All right, Omar, why don't you uh, bring us home? What's going on? Hey, um, I listening to your conversation with Fahim. Uh-huh. I think you you were starting to touch on this. Like, I think he was asking, like, what motivates people to just constantly be uh, driven to acquire more and more billions of dollars and all that. Right. And, and I think that there's so many domains that people have. self-worth from just being a human being or being a good person uh, and you start attaching like intelligence like oh I'm I'm gonna have self-worth if people consider me intelligent or people consider me beautiful if I adhere to gender roles uh, if I am super rich like those are hooks uh, that kind of drive you into all kinds of behaviors uh, and, and it's kind of be decoupled from like what, what it should really be about is like your inherent worth as a human being and we have a lot of that this is such a hierarchical society and it's very materialist it's very uh, status oriented and that gives a lot of people a sense of self-worth and there's a lot of uh, comparison with other people and you kind of prop yourself up your own uh, sense of self-worth at the expense of others. Right. And so, yeah, like I think that that's where we go wrong is when we start to from within ourselves, as well as to other people, we attach a, a certain sense of worth based on these stupid relative fleeting marker yeah of, these right? keep going these no keep going so yeah i so like i think that's that's why you get like people dehumanizing the homeless uh because they're propping themselves up by thinking well i did the right things and that person did not do the right things i'm so much better i'm i'm a good yeah. person they're deficient and it completely erases like all the systemic factors that lead to people ending up like that. And, and it also is a little psychologically shielding uh, because yeah, I mean, with, with like a certain sequence of events, we could end up, we could all end up that way. And I think that's yeah. really threatening to think about is that we could end up on the street sleeping on the ground with like no protection in in like a really 
dangerous kind of situation. And I think it's psychologically like protective to, to do that. I don't think it's right, but it's just, it's really interesting like to hear people like denigrate the homeless. And I'm like, you know, you could end up like that just given the right circumstance. Yeah, and, you absolutely could easily. Yeah, yeah like the, the thing that I, the comment that I made was there are uh, system uh, justifying ideologies where like we, we um, look at whatever hierarchies are existing and, and think of them just because it is, it is psychologically comforting to think that we live in a just world and that people get what they deserve because the alternative to that is very unsettling. You can look at them. Um, I mean, I think there's a lot that's, that's, that's really true there. And I think you can also look at, I mean, what is it? Is it Nietzsche who has a whole, his idea of even morality too, and how it's shaped by, uh, basically the position that you're in, right? He talks about master morality and slave morality and how if you have the if you have the ability to basically enact your will on other people, to engage in your hedonistic desires, to do whatever you want, uh, it becomes moral or your moral system is going to be based around those things, right? Um, talks about like the ancient Romans and how they could just kind of get away with just, you know, having fucking orgies and getting wasted and shit and just beating the shit out of people and having slaves because they were the masters. The morality is we're the masters. We can do what we want. And how slave morality, this idea of being more pious of, of, you know, turning the other cheek, this sort of more Jesus aspect of morality where, you know, you, you forgive your abuser or you forgive the people who are wronging you with the expectation that they're going to get theirs in hell, right? Comes from, that develops from a sense of that powerlessness, right? From the slave class. And it's interesting because I, I think there's, there's a lot of fun stuff to like talk about around that, or there's a lot of, it's an interesting, it's an interesting concept. But I do think that it's absolutely true that No, you're cutting out. I don't. Am I back? Am I yes, back? You're back. You're back? Okay. So the people who have power and have a lot of money and have a lot of the ability to actually enact their will on other people will have to find a way to justify it. And having a, a system, an actual system that allows you to basically get away with doing that fucked up shit that you're doing is beneficial and having a system or having a, a moral outlook that actually presents you as deserving of what you have as yeah. more deserving, I think benefits that or, and reinforces that structure too. I mean, look at the, 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 you can hear, I think what kind of really weirds me out about it is like a lot of these super capitalists and everything really truly believe that they are l l just better than people. Okay. And I'm not even talking about even like your Elon Musk types who, okay, know a little bit of 
engineering, know, um, you know, had a good idea with PayPal or whatever, you know, good for you. But I, I'm talking about, they, they legitimately think that they have convinced themselves in, in, a, in a really large way that they are a better human. Like they, they create the value that they actually create that, that at a certain point, they are totally deserving of the entire wealth oh, that yeah. they have and worth more. And you can hear it in the way that these railway strikes are happening, right? Um, you know, these railway workers in the U.S. who are threatening to strike, and they, they probably should, honestly. They should have a whole ass strike. Like, do the whole thing. Um, I will walk my ass to work. I will, whatever. But you hear one of the responses that happened and one of the reasons a strike broke out is because, you know, these railways are seeing record profits at a time when they have laid off, I think, like at least 30 percent of the staff. I don't know the numbers, but they've laid off a significant number. Oh, you cut out again. OK, am I back? OK, yeah. am I back? Back. Hey. Hey, what's up? It's me. OK, so the railway workers, they are. Um, they have no sick days. They have no paid time off. And they have literally been exploited to the point to where these railway companies are making record profits. And yet these railway companies literally said at some point, I think Jonah Furman or someone was reporting this, maybe Max Alvarez. But they literally said, oh, we made record profits, but that has nothing to do with the railway workers. They didn't contribute towards that. Like, how fucking dumb do you have to be? Like, how stupid is that? Like, but I think they honestly believe it. And it, it reminds me a little bit of um, C.S. Lewis had a book. What was it? It's not the Screw Tape Letters. I think it's Mere Christianity. But he talks, you know, he's trying to basically argue for why God exists. And it's, you know, it falls apart pretty easily in a lot of ways. But one thing I really liked about what he says in there is basically, you know, he's trying to argue that human beings are born inherently moral. They they don't want to kill. They want to help each other. They, et cetera, et cetera, right? And we could debate that forever. But what he says is that people who start to justify immoral acts through their own morality are have had a corruption of that moral system, right? It's not that they they, they still have to basically justify the acts that they're doing under a system of morality as it is supposed to be intact. They have to convince themselves that they're doing something right and good. And I thought that's, I think that's an interesting insight. And there's a lot of actually, you know, at least you can look at a lot of situations where that's exactly what's been done by people who have had to justify horrible crimes. Right. Um, I talk about that book, Ordinary Men, a lot, but it is fascinating because it's just these, it's reports of basically um, Nazi police officers who were too old to go fight the war, too old to be in the Wehrmacht. And so they're reassigned, basically round up Jews and kill them. And they, th this is when they're initially starting the firing squads. This is before the trains. This is when they're just killing Jews with bullets and putting them in mass graves. But one of the officers in there has like a, a 
journal entry where he's talking about how he would only kill the kids. He would only kill the Jewish kids. And he refused to kill the Jewish adults, you know, whatever. Only the kids. And this is his reasoning, is he would watch another officer, another Nazi police officer would have to shoot the parents in front of him. And then he would say, well, clearly these kids are going to die without their parents. So I'm doing them a mercy and mm. killing them here. Right? They're, the idea of acknowledging that what he's doing is wrong is causing too much dissonance. So he yeah. has to reinterpret it in a way that gives that positions him as a good person in this. And if yeah. it's if if your if your system, if your brain is capable of doing that many gymnastics to make you think that killing children with a gun by shooting them in the head is somehow righteous, then I, I'm not surprised that a capitalist can contort themselves into thinking that I am actually doing good to society. But, you know, fuck them. <laughs> like, it's, it's at a certain point, look, they can't keep doing it. They can't keep doing it. Or else they're going to get to this king shit again, and people are just going to revolt. You know? And it's, we might be getting there to be, to be, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens, but we might yeah. be getting there. Yeah, like the, this whole view of uh, this individualist kind of um, will to power that's uh, so American, it, I think, is kind of behind that, that yeah. uh, corporate uh, ideology. Where, like, you as an individual, there's this, like, archetype of an individual who tames nature, right. bends it to its will, and creates things. And that, that kind of got transplanted into, into capitalism, where, like, all these CEOs and executives, like, think that they did it all themselves and that they right. facilitated everything. But I mean, you just have to engage in a in a pretty simple Sam Harris like thought experiment to think about <laughs> them being born in other places without the same opportunities, without the same infrastructure, right. without the same education or parents who gave them, you know, loans uh, or just gave them money. Like yeah. all you have to do is that. And also, like, you can't do anything uh, with it without a context, like the context of workers in a specific place uh, with certain natural resources like that. That's like what's so deficient in corporate uh, ideology is that it, the, the idea of a stakeholder is not very narrow. And it's and it's very much like just a, an elitist kind of uh has an elitist slant yeah uh, where it, it, where it's yeah yeah the only people that matter are the ceos the, the 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 executives and the shareholders but not the communities not not the natural right. environment that might right. suffer from all these things um you know it's a, the great man theory of history you know yeah this this idea that history is actually shaped by great individuals who change the world through their force of will and, which has always been like bullshit, you know, like it's, it's it, it, even to the extent, like it just disregards the fact that no one can do it alone. Um, 
we're a species that re- relies on cooperation. That's like one of our, that's one of our things, you know, we, it's, it's necessary for everything that we have ever achieved. Um, we would have died so off it's, without yeah. Corp- cooperation. Yeah. I remember Dude, hearing the- uh, lectures on evolution and they, we were down to like, I think a few hundred humans at some point in our history and mm-hmm. if we hadn't cooperated, we would have been extinct. <laughs> Damn. So what happened? Did we go, okay, we were like a few hundred humans, and then we said, you know what? We should stop fighting and start fucking. And then we just, <laughs> that, that just started happening? <laughs> I don't remember all the details of that of that lecture, but um, okay. like, to me, it just was indicative of how cooperation is very human. Like, this whole idea that's very capitalist of, Oh, people are self-interested. People are selfish. They do even the things that seem to be altruistic are have like selfish motivations. Like, I yeah. just that that kind of started eroding that those, those that kind of ideology for me that that has been kind of shoved down our throats. Yeah, man, uh, it really has been. <laughs> yeah, it really has been. It really has been. But I'm I'm glad you're seeing another way, and you know. Uh, hope I'll keep seeing another way too, and we'll see, we'll see what happens, baby. <laughs> yeah. See what happens. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyways, Omar, thanks for calling right. in. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. Yeah. Likewise. All right. Take care. Take care. All right. Next up, Shnarf. What's going on, man? How you doing? Chilling. Working for uh, corporate America. Oh, I know, man. Don't you love it? Don't you love it? <laughs> no, I don't love it. Fuck these guys. So, um, I, I, I tend to, um, I tend to to be of the belief that I think that the world is actually as bad as we think it is. Right? I think the yeah. idea that that you know people have competition for resources and turn on each other and kill each other in cold blood and don't think about it is something that's a part of our history. It's actually a yeah. part of, of a lot of what we've done. And I don't think we should see the problem is this is I, and I, and I, and I tend to see this happen with, with some of the American left. Um, mm-hmm. Well, whatever, whatever this is, because this is, it's, it's kind of strange. It, yeah. I, 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 yeah. I think it's fair to call that. Yeah. It's it's this kind of utopian idea that there was there was like some kind of strange hybrid of Atlantis and Wakanda that existed prior to to classic civilization, <laughs> and that everybody everybody was sharing breast milk and singing right. kumbaya. That shit is not true. Like it, 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 yeah. it couldn't be true, right? So yeah. like, but but here's my point as as a person who who would consider himself to be a socialist. You don't have to. We don't have to be this way. I think a right. part of socialism is us transcending the limitations of of human biology and this, the the social psychology that exists in us. Right? Yeah. Like there's an intrinsic element here that that always pushes us into the aspect of repression and 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 authority. Right? We need to outgrow that shit. Yeah, I think 100. So, percent Look, yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep going. But I, I think I think it's funny how how 
whatever whatever this is, right? The American left dies with probably like somewhere in the 1970s, and then we go yeah. into this into this slumber. The 80s are marked by people that are that are too afraid to say anything. You have a couple people that maybe right. raise their raise their hands and and try to try to oppose stuff. You have Ralph Nader. You have like an yeah. economist like Hyman Minsky. You don't, but you don't have you don't have dissent, right? Like so there's no real voice of like. This shit is fucked up. This ship is going to crash into the rocks. You don't have those kind of people. And right. I think we're waking up and and it's been probably like 10 years. Let's say let's say 2008 2009 was was the point where where people started really trying to like look for a narrative. And I and I think one of the one of the things that we need to do that we don't do because it's always about the politics of purpose, right? It's all about it's all about finding a means of organizing yeah. and, and the megaphones and shit. Like I, I, I'm gonna keep it real with you. Like I went like the 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 first round of BLM protests that were in Brooklyn, I went to uh -huh. that. That Ooh. shit was crazy. People were fucking. Yeah. There we like people were doing some fucked up things. Like I, I didn't get a chance to do anything too fucked up, but like I was hoping I would, and and I'm kind of <laughs> disappointed. I, <laughs> no, I didn't, I really didn't get to get to do much. I'm serious. I didn't because they didn't. Try. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But here's here's the thing that happened is they turned up in force eventually mm -hmm. when they when they were able to 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 kind of to, to reorganize. I don't particularly like saying that shit because I'm afraid. Like, I don't know. Actually, I'm not afraid. I'll be honest with you because I, I took some really good pictures. But but like. <laughs> It's okay. You're only known as Schnarf. We only know. We only know yeah, you're the man. cat I mean, from Thundercats. I mean, dude, don't worry about it. Yeah, Schnarf, Schnarf was burning cop cars, but <laughs> but like, which which I, I'll be I'll be honest with you. No, no, no. I'll be I'll be honest with you. I think I think yeah. what happened there is this. It's the same thing as the Haymarket affair, right? Like there, the, the, yeah. the number of people outnumbered law enforcement, and when yeah. when that kind of that kind of crowd exists, they can't say shit. The problem yeah. is in America is that there is no way to there's no cohesive message that gets people out. Yeah, there really isn't. Yeah. But 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 there are cohesive moments that sort of hit on or hint at the existence of cohesion, right? I mean, George Floyd is one of those. The the um, the ninety nine percent protests, and I think you're right to track it back to like two thousand eight or six or wherever. But the the ninety nine percent, the Occupy Wall Street protests, are these like hints that we all kind of know something's wrong. I think yeah, but I think there, there's a problem. There's a bigger problem here. There's no see. See, the thing is, is, this, is that we have these opportunities to seize the moment, but we don't do right. it right because well, ideologically I, I, we're not there. Yes, you're right. I think that's correct. I think that is correct, and I think you're also correct in you know I do think we tend to downplay the degree to which conflict has always been a part of human existence to which, you know, like people were still murdering people. People were still, even though tribes were, you know, warfare was different. We're still, they're still hit and run tactics with your tribe. You're still, they're still killing. All of that is still part of it. I, I agree with you that part of socialism. And I think what really excites me about socialism and being a human is the idea to really transcend those parts of your nature and knowing that there's a greater purpose and knowing that the true sort of power or the true sort of brilliance of our species is our ability to work together to get to something else. And I think that's – in ways we've trended that direction. But I agree with you on these, these spark moments. I think the next step now that people are just waking up 
is there doesn't there does need to be more of an emphasis on on developing that cohesive narrative and there need to be more targeted efforts at making sure that the next time uh there's a george floyd because we know it's going to happen we know that stuff is going to happen in the system but the next time that happens there's a concentrated directed effort to to the extent that those uh lesser angels of our nature are necessary It's almost it's almost like we're asleep at the wheel. Well, we are. We are, man. We've been low to sleep at the wheel with uh, with yeah, yeah, because we're bad. all driving our own individual cars. No one else can grab the wheel. They're trying to keep us all in your little car, drugged up and sad or whatever the fuck. Like that, the the system is made to make us be asleep at the wheel. the 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 point is to there has to be a recognition that like. I don't know, like we're all in the same vehicle. We just don't know it, you know, or we need to, we're all going to the same location. So if we carpool there, then there's, then we can make it there together. But I, I, I look, my biggest criticism of like, I'm not, I'm not like, you know, despite the fact that I'm, you know, I, I choose violence as the last answer all the time, but I know that sometimes like, sometimes that is the answer. Like, and, and that is, I know some people feel uncomfortable hearing that. And I do get nervous when some people talk about violence because, you know, there are those people who talk about violence, but they have no experience with violence. And they almost sort of start to romanticize uh, violence in a way, too. And whenever I hear that. I'm a little too old for that. Like, I'll tell you. I get you. I get you on that. It would have been good if, like, I was, like, 18 years old. I would have been gun ho for that shit. But now it's like. It's like I'm thinking about it. Like by, by the time societal collapse will take take place, I, I'm gonna be like, "Old oh, dude, it's gonna suck." Well, then <laughs> you'll have to be you'll it. have to be like an, an old head for it. <clears throat> that just but, means but, you have but, to be willing to let your position change in that fight. You know what I mean? Like that. I think there's a really important part for having people who not necessarily are like generals, but who have seen a little bit of this shit. And know how to direct it away from just being another sort of explosion. And the most we get is we get the cop cars. Because here's, I, I mean, you do know ahead. everybody. Everybody's the chief, right? Like th- that's the other problem that I noticed here. Everybody yeah. is the revolutionary spark in in, in this. Yeah. Like the, the spark is now is now some somebody that's on 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 YouTube or or on call. Yeah, 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 it's, yeah. it's like yeah. it's like no longer a discussion. It's like no longer organic. Yeah. It's more like I have a show, and and it's like it's like the it's like the the the, the Marxist. John Stewart. Yeah, no, I get you. And there's, I mean, like, you know, I'm, I'm like doing a version of that now. So I get you with that. But like, I do think, look, whoever, whoever whoever brought up this Vanguard shit again. Oh my fucking God. Everybody's a fucking tanky. (laughs) Yeah. Well, the word Vanguard, I don't know if they're using it in like a more, uh, they're using it it in Twitter and Twitter Marxism. Like that's what it is. It's, it's, it's well, usually we'll people that we'll own see. no guns. It's people yes. that, that usually have never bled, well, and it's people yeah. that don't understand yeah. that like we're up against we're up against everybody. Like the American well, yeah. left doesn't yeah. exist. Yeah, I, I, well, that's I, I understand that part. That well, you know, when I say like a lot of the people who talk about violence have no acquaintance with it. That's what I'm talking about to some extent. Like hell, even just a fist fights, like just being 
hurt and like any of that, like any of that. And, and the way that they talk about it so flippantly, it's clear that there needs to be some, I don't know if it's training or just like whatever, but people need to get acquainted with it too. But going to your point about like, we have no leaders, we have no like, you know, everyone wants to be this and that. I do think, I, I think I'm seeing those seas shift a little bit, honestly. I really do. I think, I think stuff like this helps because not necessarily this program, but like Colin and being able to work out or in sense for each other in these spaces, I think starts to make us think to realize that even if we're disagreeing on, you know, points we're there are a lot of similarities here. And a lot of us want to get to those same points. And a lot of us actually see the same problems. That's, that's good because again, having that collective consciousness, that cohesion is going to be necessary for any kind of revolution. It is. It, it's not. It's not. It's not a bad thing. What I think is this, right? What I think the difference is is that we're we're somewhere we're somewhere before the fall of the Weimar Republic. Like we're we're really waiting for Hitler. That's what we're waiting for, right? And I think I think what 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 the problem is is that you have two camps of people, and there's only two narratives, right? The narrative is social democracy, right? Reform, and then there is this other side where it's like it's this not really clear revolution. Which I, I, I'm going to be honest with you, like everybody that ever says revolution or revolutionary in the last like 10, 20 years is is slightly full of shit. I'm not buying it, but. There is another way, and and this other way is is being totally ignored, right? It's called education. First of all, our public education system doesn't work, so we have to actually have the skill sets that are necessary for us to get somewhere. We don't have that, okay? All we have is people with opinions and and the and the bigger problem here is that we also don't have we don't have uh, uh, an element of workers right the workers are not united together there's no solidarity between unions every union is now a corporation yeah yeah which, which is terrible right look at look at what yeah. they, look at the rail strike what were they fighting for sick days what were they, Sick days. And who were they up against, right? Like the, the fucking, the, the Oracle of Omaha, fucking Warren Buffett. This piece of yeah. shit is, yeah. is raking in more money than, than he knows what to do with. But he's arguing over sick days for employees that are doing more work. Yeah, it's fucking ridiculous. It's fucking ridiculous. It's, 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 it's inexcusable. But I, I take your point that with that being the with those you, being the states you know any, there should like, be more you know solidarity any, like, high level union people do you do you know any of them <clears throat> i mean it depends on what you like teamsters the teamsters union like right? teamsters yeah right, yeah right. so so one of the teamsters union the, the like i don't i don't know the guy but i i i know i know his daughter through through someone else i know this like th- this is classic bourgeois shit first of all this girl mm. right now it like has um, she's got like, like ten thousand dollar cameras that she walks around New York City taking pictures. You know, she Who's doesn't this? have. She goes to FIT. She's she's living the life. She's and 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 she lives a complete bourgeois existence. The father has money to burn. The, these people aren't working. Oh, the Teamsters class. Union. The Teamsters the, Union the, the uh, Teamsters uh, representative. Yeah. Queens. 
And and the, the Teamsters Union, uh, I, I think their headquarters is in Manhattan. I'm not sure, but yeah. like it blows my mind that you have you have these these establishments that have now betrayed the people that they really work for because all they yeah. are are trying to plunder whatever they can get their hands on, right? And, I'm, yeah. and it's not that I'm against unions, but, which I'm not. I think I think right. unions are fucking crucial. I just think that the problem is is that capitalism is. is has now co-opted it, anything that we had that was that was that was some kind of defiance. It's co-opted quite a bit. It and I, I agree with you on pretty much ninety nine percent of this. But the one place here here's a little bit of the pushback because we've kind of talked about this a little bit indirectly, but we've talked about no, we talked about it directly. But uh, the class sort of traders who are in charge of these unions. Do you think that there are going to be class traders who are from this PMC class? Who end up becoming, you know, like Frank Paises or 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 Fidel's <clears throat> of the like, you know, these people who see how fucked up shit is getting, who understand it, and put themselves back in the movement, or decide, no, the system is fucked. There needs to be a change because I'm seeing evidence of that now. I'm seeing, like, you know, when I and 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 in the same way, I'm seeing the emergence of certain leaders. They're, 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 the, the, when you have this kind of education, and perhaps you'll be one of them as far as leaders, we don't know yet, but like certain people are just going to, certain people are already getting more pool and already connecting more people together to have a more cohesive ideology. And I know I talk about Brianna Joy Gray a lot, and there, I know she's like doing the whole Patreon thing and all of this, but I do think she has a way. Subscribe to my OnlyFans. I do think she has a way of pulling elements of the disjointed left together. And I do think that there could be a potential, like, you know, when I look at people who are potentially going to be class traders, I think, you know, I would bet money on her. And I think that's going to happen more and more the more that this income inequality gap raises the more that people who are in positions like hell, even like mine, where you make good money, but you can't you you can't own anything, and they're working you, and as much as they possibly can, just to get as much money out of you as possible. I think that squeeze is going to become more and more apparent to more and more people, and that's something. That's 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 a little different than what we had. In 2008 and I don't know man I just think I I'm strangely I I, I want to say hopeful I'm strangely hopeful because it seems like every time we do some kind of co- incoherent or in you know non-cohesive act of violence or protest or rioting the next time we come back and do it we're a little bit more coherent than we were last time we're, we're a little bit more class conscious than we were last time. There are more people, and I know there are all these tankies and stuff who are talking about Marx and blah, blah, blah. But like, there are more people Tankies who... don't talk about Marx. Yeah, That's know, the funny like, point. Yeah. Tankies but don't talk about Marx. T- tankies, tankies talk about Twitter. Right. But you, but you know what I'm saying. You know, this idea of like, there are more people, if it's not these... T- there are more and more people who are talking about Marx and, you know, for someone, even when I, even when I think about myself, like 
trying to read Capital. I would have never fucking done that shit. Can I I make a suggestion? Yeah, go for it. Okay. In, instead of reading Capital, read something that's more contemporary. Sure. Uh, give me. Uh, I don't know where the feedback is. I think. I think the. Deep oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Sorry. Let me adjust my mic. Is <laughs> it working now? It's it's still a little funky, but like I, I thought it was okay, the deep state listening. So yeah, it might be. I mean, Schnarf. Every time you're on something, I just assume the deep state is there, like right up your ass. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, 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 I'm kind of serious though. I can't believe them, but uh, yeah. No, but, but, but like, okay. So so where, where I would actually start in, instead of trying to read Capital, right? Because yeah. Because, it's you need something that's more more i guess along the lines of something that's relative to our condition i would start with mark fisher okay and and a lot of people have always asked me they're like well where do i start where do i start where do i start and i always tell them i said it doesn't make sense for you to like rush into capital thinking that you're going to get through it like you have to you have to get your adderall prescription you have to get your like the amount of time and and honestly the payoff of reading capital is do i want to say it's not that great like it's it's almost and you know what there's a guy yeah. here i always have this discussion with him and i agree with him it's almost as bad as reading adam smith right <laughs> like, like these, these are these are people that are that are yeah. that are like from another world they're talking in a very heavily intellectual way from from their time right and it doesn't make sense for us to look at it immediately because there's there's a there's a kind of like writing style that that resonates with us a lot more. I would say the place to start with is Mark Fisher, capitalist realism. Capitalist realism probably puts puts you in a in a frame of mind to understand things a little bit better. And then the other thing to do is to go back and and if you really want to learn about Marx, you should you should like a lot of people will start reading Lenin for example. And the problem yeah. with Lenin is that Lenin is not like Lenin has no essential tie to Marx. What he is, is a person who is in a, in a situation that, that he needs to seize power, right? So I always get into these deeper conversations about the Soviet Union, and a lot of the tankies don't even know like what took place. But what you have to understand is that is that Lenin has no direct connection with Marx, other than taking like fragments using it for his own purpose and then having his own ideology and his own uh, like like uh, way of looking at how a, a government should be should be structured right hmm. Marx never gives you that Marx never gives you the superstruct what he calls the superstructure which is government and the substructure which like depending on who you ask is the local government or the way businesses should be structured right okay he doesn't give you any of that shit what I would say is that if you're really interested in learning what Marxism is about from a democratic perspective, from from a perspective of freedom, you go to Rosa Luxemburg. You don't you 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 discard the the the, the tankies. And and you know what, Jonathan is right. Lenin is fucking intellectual jambalaya. Like, okay, there, there's an actual book that he has. It's called uh, Left left wing communism and infantile disorder hmm. none of the tankies have read that shit i've read it and in his opinion most of those people are are, are are have an infantile disorder they have to be subjugated to the authority of of the vanguard right like the idea of the vanguard is something that people can sit around and jerk off with 
<laughs> but at the end of the day, all it is is is, is it's no different than, than usurping dissidents, right? The idea yeah. is, is that we want our voices heard, and obviously, when as their voice heard, there's confrontation. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. But if we don't have that, we'll never get the project going because the project requires people to confront each other and say, "Hey, listen, this is what I think." A hundred percent. Yeah, but don't you think? I, I would say. Do do you feel like there's more of that actual confrontation happening now and people actually learning from it or, or because moving people, from because it? Because people are busy because people well, yeah, actually spend I, I more that. time people yeah. spend more time voicing an opinion than listening to it. Do you know how many people yeah. there, there's some really notorious people on this platform that that what they'll do is this. They'll mm-hmm. be they'll be like a, a a group of people having a discussion and what they'll do is they'll jump in without even mm. knowing what the hell the topic is, but they'll jump in. And it's always the same fucking mushrooms and 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 Alex Jones. <laughs> I'm fucking fed up with it. I man. know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm done with that shit. I'm that done is with the it. dude, though. That's one that dude. Shit. Do you feel like a lot of people? I mean, like Schnarf. You know, for to be fair, you've had a pretty uh, uh, contentious reputation with people on here for a while. But now people tend, you know, every time I'm in a room and people are talking about you, they're like, "Yeah, you know," but he'll have an actual good conversation with you and stuff, right? You'll engage, and I think some of your rough edges have been smoothed out a little bit. Would you agree with that? <laughs> I, I have a lot of rough edges. I think I, think I know we know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I have I have rough edges. I do, but yeah. the thing is, is that is that like I also have principles, and I also yeah, I, I won't deviate from it. Right? Like I'm not going to deviate from it. The, the other day, I got in an argument with someone about cultural Marxism. Oh my god! And, wow. And, okay. <laughs> look. I, I did, and this is this is like another. This is like actually really interesting, right? So the guy, this is what mm-hmm. the guy tells me. The guy tells me that educational institutions have been co-opted by um, the likes of like the Frankfurt School and Marcuse and all that other shit. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, okay, really? I'm like, I'm, so, and I told him, I said, it, it doesn't sound like you've actually been to to like a like a like a like higher education. Yeah. And I didn't mean to sound like a pompous asshole, but yeah. I did. And it was yeah, fucking yeah. hilarious because he got so fucking mad. And it, it, mm-hmm. it just it, it made me – it tickled me because <laughs> here's the thing. Yeah. This person has never read the Frankfurt School. He's never read anything. Right. He just has no idea right. about the history of American Marxism. But he, but he has an idea that somehow – Stalin came up with the idea to send Adorno and fucking Fromm and 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 a whole bunch of other guys over here to co-opt Americans in 2022. Mm-hmm. That's how fucking far-fetched and stupid it is. But if I wrote a book like that, I would be a millionaire. Yeah. Well, I mean, like a lot of stupid conspiracy shit with no basis in fact and just all basis in feeling sells really well and Jordan Peterson is a testament to a lot of that, that Frankfurt School cultural Marxism type of bullshit. And I, but I do, I mean, like, you know what the funny answer to it is? It's the same thing that Zizek says, where are the Marxists? And they yeah. will never, ever fucking be able to answer it. But that's what They'll I'm, that's, be able to yeah, it. that's, but that's what I'm saying though, is the fact that I, I think the fact that Jordan Peterson is more nowadays of, you know, he's got his core audience, but to people who he may have attracted before 
he's more of a meme than anything else. And I think that people have a good critique of a lot of the bullshit that he has to say. And a lot of the bullshit that he has to say about Marxism to me is, I mean, that means something, right? You know, like it means something. I mean, look, the, the reason I started reading capital, you're asking me that before. And then, uh, you know, I'll, I, I see what Shelley has to say, a friend of the show, but like, I, I, the reason I started reading capital is because I started following, I started basically um, following Ben Burgess, who was doing a class about it. And I was like, well, fuck, I know Ben Burgess is going around talking about socialism and everything. If he's going to do a reading class, I might as well sign up. So, you know, I signed up to do that in my free time to read Capital. But it's so weird seeing all the people in there who are really, they seem to be really engaging with the text. You know, I feel like the stupid, I, I probably am the stupid person in that class every time, to be frank. But if you're not it's stupid. You know, it's, well, it's, it's see, I'm going to give you some credit. Yeah. You're not stupid. The text itself is monotonous and, and it yeah. doesn't lend itself to conveying the ideas. And here's the worst part. The best part of Capital is volume three. So your shit out of work. You're, you you're gonna, yeah, like volume yeah. two. Volume two is throw away. Volume two, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I'll let I'll let David Harvey figure that shit out. I, I like yeah. I, I I'll be honest with you. Like I I grabbed bits and pieces of volume two, but I I was trying to find things that were relative, and there was no reason to listen to that shit. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I actually have spoken to Ben Burgess. I'll be honest with you. I've asked him questions about, like, American Marxists. I've asked him about what his perspective is. I don't see eye to eye with him at all. Like, I don't. I, yeah. I, don't, I don't see eye to eye with him at all. Like, I, I think I think that's the problem is that you have a lot of these people who, who gloss over everything and don't really yeah. get into the weeds of, of the money. To be fair, he's less of a um, – <clears throat> I wouldn't take him as much for – his historical takes or his like um, e- even like how you plan out society from here takes, I would take him more on philosophical discussions about Marxism and the meaning of parts of it and how it's supposed to work. I, I would engage more on those points specifically because I mean, like, look, he, he I think he had that whole debate with, um, with, uh, I forget that everyone was talking about force the vote and everything. And, you know, Brianna was totally on her shit about force the vote. And I think, you know, in retrospect, for, for good reason, right? And Ben was saying, well, I don't know if we should do that, but there's no, people, people have different skill sets, you know? Like, in the same way that if there's a revolution, not everyone's going to be able to do dirt because some people just can't do dirt, you know? And it's, some people, like we, we as a species have always had the ability to sort of play, try to put people in the right places and maximize their skill sets for the benefit of, you know, the whole. And I don't think he would be someone who, you know, I, I, I think if we look for any one person who's supposed to be like the, the, the authority on all of these things, we're going to keep looking because – I don't think they exist. And that defeats the point of socialism. The point of socialism is that you build solidarity with different people. You need doctors, you need lawyers, you need need people that are sympathetic to the human condition. And I don't think that's what's happening. I think what, like, I I literally got into an argument with someone who said normies are people who work and drink Starbucks. And I was like, what the fuck? What the fuck does that mean? No, like, all right, the part of it that really rubbed me the wrong way, that got me really mad was the part that people work. Work. 
Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> what the fuck is that? What do you mean? No, no, like work? that shit. That shit about? infuriated me because it's like it's like it's like the whole essence of socialism is based on work. Yeah. And equity in work, and wages, yeah. and avoiding debt. Fucking uh, a debt-ridden society where like you honestly have unpayable debt. Yeah. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. But anyways, take Shelly, man. My bad. Okay, I man. No, I love it when you ramble, man. I, I, I appreciate you <laughs> calling in. Appreciate you sticking in. I mean, and it's it's been a very interesting develop like trip for me to kind of hear you talk more and more and be like, well, you know, he's not like you're you got points. All right. You you definitely you're not just some fucking rambling asshole at all. You you make you make really good points. You make me think. And you make me rethink about things a lot, and uh, we need that. Like we need we need that too. So, um, and how wild was it to listen to Marshall last night? What the fuck? Like that's yeah, that's not a that Republican dude. That was, that was, I have that no was idea. Insane. That was totally crazy to me. But yeah, man, I appreciate I appreciate you calling in. All right, stay up. All right, homie. Yep. Peace. Who? All right, Shelly. Welcome to the show. Okay, here we go. I, uh, y'all know it's tradition at this point. Let's get it going. Everyone, give it up for your great leader. She will say she's a tanky and she don't care. She loves cats, communism, and Stalin. <laughs> Everyone, give it up for Shelly. Shelly, are you there? Did you take a little break? You waiting for the whole song to play out, girl? She's got a little meditating to do. She got to meditate a little bit. Let the power of the international flow through her motherfucking bones. Oh, you there? Sorry about that. It, I, I, <laughs> I hit the unmute button and boom, it just crashed. Oh, yeah, no worries. You want me to keep playing out your song or are you good? Well, I'm good. I'm good. Okay, I, okay, I, okay. The audience can hear it. Arise. Arise. Arise, um, chicken. All right, hey, what's you know, up? I, I'm I'm good. Uh, Shark brings up a lot of a lot of good points and a lot of good critiques. I think personally. Yeah, it, it, it's it, it, you know, like I think we need that. I think we. I honestly do feel like there does need to be a little more like just actual tough love. Just it doesn't even have to be love. Just talk like straight talk. Yeah. To it too, and and you know I. I, especially when it comes to like the talks of violence and shit like that. I just know motherfuckers are not ready. So many motherfuckers who talk about violence. If I could beat you up, if I could really beat your ass, or if I can like not even like be trying to like beat you up and you're not even defending yourself, you're not ready. Like just straight up. Like, and too many people, I don't know if it's the internet or what, like too many people had like, well, I, I think too many people, I don't know if it's just the age we're living in where people become so disconnected and, you know, the Twitter fingers 
turn to trigger fingers or whatever, you know, like it's these people who are not used to actually like facing the consequences of actions. Like, and, 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 or, or like they, they don't, they live in like a fantasy world where they're bereft of consequences, you know, like get, I, I, I personally think this is going to sound weird, but I personally think like having your ass beat is a, is a essential growing experience, experience, like getting well, fucked up and, and fighting someone up and fighting someone. I think, I think it's, you know, I don't want to get into fight club stuff. You learn a lot about yourself in a fight, but like if, if conflict is not, I don't know, stuff like that. It's not just something you just turn on and then you're Jackie Chan out here, you know, like fucking <laughs> Kung Fu and motherfuckers. Like it, that's not how it works. It's, it's, and too many people talk about shit with authority all the time when they have no fucking experience with it too. And you see it happen a lot and you see it happen. I do, you know, I do tend to roll my eyes a lot when people say revolution, not because I don't believe in revolution, but I'm like, all right, who's going to do it? You like, what do you, how are you going to revolt? How, show me, hit me, hit me, like no. show me. You know, draw, draw blood and see what happens. And it's like people, a lot of people talk too big for no reason. And I, I do think that having those voices that are like uh, a little more on the line of like calling people out for not, not like, you know, like just specifically trying to wreck shit and make people feel bad, but because, you know, like I can smell your bullshit and you're not fooling me. I think that is actually effective. And we need, look, if there's going to be a revolution, it has to happen in reality. So reality checks have to be there. They have to be in place. But I've been talking long enough, Shelley. You go ahead. Well, no, I, I agree with you. I, it seems to me that a lot of the, the type, when these people are talking about going out and doing these actions, they, they become part of a protest. And it's usually more of the anarchist type. Mm-hmm. And they usually start breaking away and doing individual acts of Yeah, I did. I've, I've, I've been to protests of terror. <laughs> but, but They'll they throw like a hammer through a window and be like, meow, fuck the, fuck right. the, but what the I, system. When I, say, when I say terror, what I mean yeah. is that then that clip can be played over and over and over and over. And over yeah, and over but that's just the, the propaganda. See, I, I get you on that, Shelley, but the problem is capitalism is going to play whatever clip it can get over and over and over and over and over and over and over again forever on repeat. Like it is, it is going to protect itself. And I think uh, there is a place for, I I, look, I am not saying nonviolent strategies are bunk. In fact, nonviolent strategies, a lot of the times are very, very effective. If you do them right, like you can get, if you're trying to build, you know, you're you're not understanding. I'm not talking I'm not saying that violence has no place. It absolutely has a place. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we're not at the point where we're disciplined enough to engage in acts of violence because people are breaking off and doing individual acts of terror. Yeah. Like in those individuals. So what you, you don't have people on the right on the same page in the movement. Well, I think. And I think that. Hold on, run that. About, run that by me again. Yeah. What I think you were talking about as far as 
we're not there yet. We, we're having these discussions. Don't you, you know, because that, that's what you're asking for. Like, don't you think we're doing that? I think that is. I think we are sharpening our line. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think I think so. I mean, I tend to believe that right now because I I can see I could see some actual leaders coming out of this shit. Honestly, I really could. I could see some. The circumstances are creating are creating that, and we're not so reluctant to the idea of people who are good at getting us from one place to another. Um, I don't know. There was like there there was a reluctance back in the Occupy Wall Street day to name anyone as a leader, but that's that's fucking stupid. Like, I'm sorry, but like, I am not always going to be the guy. And I don't know if I can, who knows if I can be a guy who can be a leader, but I, I can be a good ass follower with some people, you know, like, and I, I, I'm good at picking out when people are not bullshitting and when people I think actually have some spark and some ability and building around that and understanding that we're not like, you know, we're not trying to like endorse a great man theory of history or something like that. We're just, part of having a movement is having someone that people trust and has the ability and the skill set to guide. You know, that's. You're cutting out. Still cutting out. Am I still here? Am I back? Okay. I'm back. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just leaders are okay too, but keep going. Oh, yeah. Well, I think, no, and, and that's kind of what I'm, like, whenever I look at it, I think about, and I would actually put the origins of it before the Occupy movement, I would put it against the anti-war movement in the Iraq war. That was a huge protest movement. I believe that's still the largest, like, worldwide protest that's ever happened. Because everyone could tell what that was going to do. Everyone knew it was going to be disruptive. We guessed it. And then... Then we have more of this idea about this like internal position as far as Occupy Wall Street. But then what they, it's like that group was like, we're totally decentralized. It really was a very decentralized movement. And then now you go on, I think the awakening, maybe Bernie Sanders was the next one. But remember, a lot of us before Bernie Sanders, we were just happily voting for Clinton. Right. You know, and then 2020 comes along. We try again for learning that doesn't work. Then we're like, well, hopefully the squad can pull it out with Biden. And that doesn't work. And then now you have yeah. the conversation around, like, like, do you see the lines are sharpening? So they're they're sharpening. But, sharpening. you know, you know what I respect? This is this is what I kind of respect about, like, what I've learned about kind of coming into this space late in a lot of ways, because I came in really for my big awakening was the Sanders 2016 run along with a lot of other people. But what I've understood is that some people have been waking up for a long time, have been waking up for longer. And I think that's important for me to acknowledge because I, so what I'm saying, here's what I'm saying. I, I am strategically trying to learn really when to just shut the fuck up and listen because 
and which is funny because you know I'm talking on a fucking college show right now that I'm doing, but you know, like it's a, the whole point is for me to talk and to, for people to hear my voice or whatever. But like honestly, the the I look the extent of the situation that we are in and the history of how we got here and the works that people have had in understanding our predicament before I even was even waking up to it. A lot of that groundwork's already been laid and a lot of people have still been kind of doing that work during this time, you know? And I think that is, I like the idea that I don't have to reinvent the wheel. And I like the idea, you know, that you're cutting out. Still cutting out. Um, give me one second. Am I back? I don't know what's been going on. This it's it's CIA shit or definitely an app. Um, <laughs> but you know when I hear people like when I hear people like the Revolutionary Blackout Network sometimes when they're talking, and you just realize that maybe I should just be listening to this shit. You know what I mean? Like. I don't know. I'm not really, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm trying to allude to people who I've, who are in the call-in, who I've been listening to, who I'm just thinking. Great. Yeah. You know, there's people who, I guess what I'm saying is this, like, I, hmm, how do I put this? I don't want to upset my mom because <laughs> I love you, mom. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just, I, I'll say this because it's, uh, I, I think some of these people who've been speaking a little more radical are not wrong. I don't think that's necessarily the solution right now, but we are, I, I, I am, I'm, uh, I am entertaining the idea of there may be need to be a more, uh, I don't know, explicit struggle of some type, because look, it's, it's these conditions. I mean, we've all talked about it here before. We've talked about a lot of other places, but I think we can all understand in a lot of ways, the historical context, which led someone like Donald Trump to become president and Mm -hmm. how a lot of the fascism, as we call it, that he espoused was already going on before him, but it was much more, uh, you know, sort of, surrounded by this veneer of uh, this flowery civility and these, you know, the, 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 what's sort of the acceptable sort of level of how you be a war criminal. Uh, and I think yeah. that's, that's something I've been coming to terms with. It's hard for me to argue against that because, you know, the facts are the facts chief and America really I mean, you know, like we can go back into how America's really interfered with so many countries for, yeah. God, I don't know, but, but, but the last 20, 30 years in particular have been pretty alarming. Um, I don't know. I'm just kind of rambling. I'm sorry. No. I'm just. No, no, I, I, I don't think you're rambling. I, I think what you're, I think what you're trying to say is that you are feeling kind of like, I mean, you can just, you can notice it with, um, even just in the left 
and like the conversations yeah. three has, and the people that she invites on her show and then like positions of her people that call in you know even i've seen them like oh no yeah vote and blah 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 and then like six months later they're saying fuck it don't electoralism is crap yeah like, we are having those like that's not an illusion so why why would it be an illusion that there might be uh, like more of a reason for more radical action i mean if that's just the progression then that's the progression Right, right. And I'm, again, and I'm not saying that that's on the table exactly right now, but I understand, like, I, I, all I'm saying is that, like, there was a time where I would probably go the route of saying, oh, there's, there's, I, oh, God, what am I, what am I saying? I, I'm still trying to articulate what I'm saying, but I think, I think part of me, if it comes down to that, then it may be necessary, right? Because it, it is, you know, these eco-terrorists are kind of, they're not entirely, like, they're not just crazy, right? The only, There's the only a logic reason, to it. The only reason why it sucks is that it is, uh, it destroys productive forces. Yeah. So, like, we have to understand the, the political economy that we're living in and the political economy that we're living in is mostly an oil-based economy. And yeah. so people, people connect pipelines with their economic health. So whenever they start seeing people destroy pipelines, no matter how like environmentally concerned or how much, they, they go, oh, shit, my wealth. Yeah. Oh, shit, my ability to live. And so you, can't you cannot destroy productive forces. Now, shopping... Yeah like smashing a shop window people can kind of they're like okay i can understand the race yeah but, but that starts to start getting pipelines you will turn people against you you know but i don't know if you will at a certain point i think that's what i'm coming to the realization of look we're, we're a long turn, way from we're a long way from that i, no, no, I no, still no, think you'll turn the working class against you but i think honestly at a certain point i mean look it depends on what working class we're talking about to some extent, because I mean, if you were riding with a bunch of, I don't know, at this point, Pakistanis after all these floods that have come through and fucked their whole shit up when they're responsible for like 1% of global emissions or less than 1% or something like that. And their whole damn country's underwater. And at a certain point, it's like, yeah, I mean, at a certain point, are they, are they going to turn on you? for trying to stop the fact that these for-profit entities are literally destroying literally like responsible for ecological disasters in your area, which are killing tens of thousands. Right. Well, but, but that's different. You're talking about, and you're talking about oppressed nations and not oppressed. Well, right. But I'm talking about, I'm talking about basically when do people hit their limit? When does revolution become inevitable in some ways right and in some places and i'm saying like there are look it the the thing with revolution that will always get me as far as when people talk about it because a lot of people like to talk about it and then they never really want to talk about it you know i think that's true too but and and that's okay like and usually those are and, and i gotta be honest when people that's why i don't like it when people talk so tough about it because i know they're not ready for well, if like, you're in, okay, 
if I can be honest, Bide, if you're in a party, we are not allowed to discuss tactics. So that is one reason why they don't get discussed. But I don't know. Well, That's that to me like, sounds dumb. No, no offense. I mean, but, I mean, because sorry. it's how, how how can you not discuss tactics if you're in we a don't party? Tactics publicly, we discuss tactics internally. But if it's a mass movement at a certain point, you know, like what? Who do do do? Like, what is the, the logic behind that? Just when when the next Black Lives Matter or the next you know George Floyd is killed, you and the party come out and they say, "All right, everyone, we've been discussing tactics privately, and we need to go and march down to this police station first and burn it, and then do this." You know, like that doesn't make any sense to me practically. Like, okay. I do think that, that you know there has to be like a. Well, I mean, I, I'm just I think you're cutting out. I don't think you stopped talking. What did I, 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 what part did you get to? Black Lives Matter, people coming out. Yeah, and people coming out and they say like, okay, so imagine there's another like George Floyd and people are coming out on the streets and then what, the party's just gonna, suddenly this party that's been discussing tactics privately is gonna arrive and say, listen people, we've been discussing tactics privately amongst ourselves and we think we should go burn this police station. And that's what we're going to do. Like, that's not going to help. That's the same sort of lack of education that, God, it's it's going to be like the same. Like, why would people trust that party? Why, what, what, like, what clout have they built up with people that they will the only thing that, know them? When, no, 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 no. What you're talking about is you're talking about saying that, you know, like, be, just because we have tactics, because we discuss it internally, mm-hmm. that that's like, I don't think it's stupid. It's our tactic. Well, right. But when you, I'm not saying I'm saying it's it's to say that we don't discuss tactics publicly, then then you can't be discussing tactics for the public. Do you know what I'm saying? Because they won't know. And that's going to be the same situation that we're in sort of right now is, and look, it's weird because, you know, especially when you talk, that's why I don't think we're there yet at like the revolutionary actual, like. And that's the reason why we don't discuss tactics publicly because we're not there. And then if we try to employ those tactics and the government is paying attention, then they know our tactics. But, you know, <laughs> look, I, 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 I have so many thoughts on this. I, I think I have so many thoughts. Look, I it's it's clear that, you know, part of what I, I did the show today for too, and it's something we all kind of know. You know, it's a the stock traders. I I know you missed the, the beginning of the show, Shelley, but yeah. I was going over the article reporting just the the trades that Congress are making with their stock trades. And I basically go over how the congressmen with the greatest volume of stock trades from 2019 to 2021 is Roe motherfucking Kana, who's supposed to be supporting the Stock Trading Act. And I talk about how he talks about in all of his responses that he he doesn't say he's going to put the stocks in a blind trust. He talks about he tries to say these stock trades are my wife's family stock trades. Yep. You're cutting out. Um, wife's stock trades. Am I back? I'm back. Okay. Like he tries to say these stock trades are not mine. They're my wife's families, but what he means are they're his wife's for their family. Um, 
doesn't avoids the question of how to put him in a blind trust. And if this is a guy who we're depending on for electoralism and to actually reform our stock trading act, and you know the the next best leftist or whatever, it, it is is no different from like Nancy Pelosi, then the conditions are being created to where you're giving people no other options. And I say this without even without even a endorsement. I say this just I'm purely analyzing this shit from the from the top up or from wherever. I don't know. I literally read this last night. And just listen, if you interpret the socialists as the squad mm-hmm. and the communists as the anti-electoralists, the people who don't want to engage in electoralism and keep that in mind. The socialist leaders put all their hopes in the capitalist democracy. In their eyes, it is the open road to the peaceful introduction of socialism. They reject the warning that the communist capitalist class will fight to the bitter end to retain power. They carry on class collaboration policies. And even when they see capitalist democracy crumbling under the pressure of the crisis of the capitalist system, when they are confronted with the menace of rising fascism, when they see capitalism preparing to replace the democratically gloved iron hand by the openly brutal fascist fist, they still persist in their class collaboration policies and refuse to prepare the workers for the unavoidable struggle. They place every possible obstacle in the way of the united front fought for by the communists. Not only that, they rush frantically to unite with the capitalist group who profess opposition to the open fascist movement, but proceed with the support of the socialist leaders to introduce measures of fascism. This united front with capitalist groups, the socialist leaders call choosing the lesser evil. And this was written in, I believe, 1932. But a lot of that kind of sounds like, in in some ways, kind of like what we're doing now, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but but here's, here, I mean, here's the other kicker, is that I don't, the, the, the thing for me, and then maybe I'll, stop talking about I, I don't want to be on any more government watch list <laughs> probably but like no the the, the truth okay. is you know with jokes aside or whatever I mean I'm on I'm on a watch list for sure but yeah. um you know the jokes aside look when we talk about something like when we talk uh, how do I how do I put this artfully do 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 I'm an innocent little boy. Um, what is the hypothetical answer? Like, no, I, th- I, I think, okay, here's, here's what I'm thinking. I, I think the, I don't see a way around sort of the necessity to have mass education. Yep. For There, there needs to be a way of, and this is why I do like, like, look, I, I, I like some of the strategies I'm seeing from people here is that there needs to be a way to educate people without explicitly like educating them. I mean, explicitly educating them too. But what I mean is without making it so explicit to where it is, um, it ends up being looked at as a, just a threat to the nation or something like that. Right. Uh, because I do think, which is what you're cutting out. I should just stop at some point because yeah. this this is not I'm working. What is up with your audio, dude? I don't know. Is it sounding like? Do I sound okay on the mic? Whenever it's you, you sound okay when you're connected. It's just okay. It's not. Then then you have like a little bit of feedback, 
and a little bit more feedback and then the feedback goes down and then you drop out and we can't hear you until you come back. Interesting. That's so weird. Yeah. But um, anyway, what do you think? Uh, look, I'm just saying, I uh, here's what I'll say. I think right now I'm supporting anything that is meant to educate people to understand their those class dynamics and their relation to the powerful and the ways that they're being exploited. And that gives them a coherent sort of understanding of that. And that's going to be important. Um, it's going to be very important going well, forward. I also think that it's kind of funny how even if you think about content creators that people watch, you know, even that's been winnowed down. You know, you have, with all the separation that's happening with those groups. Yeah. You know, that, that also shows a line of demarcation. Like, things are hardening, and, and there is... If you believe in Karl Marx's theory of dialectical materialism, which I do then all productive forces in history are built on class struggle. So advancement does not go forward without class struggle. We've seen it in every situ- like in every situation, like whenever you were having a period, it's just that this is just the working <laughs> class time to take control. Sorry, I'm That's- so immature. <laughs> so- I, you're right. No, you're right. You're right. You I said mean, whenever yeah. you're having a period, and I was like, "Yeah, yeah I am. I'm so, I'm so dumb. I'm 33. Why am I? Why am I like this? I'm sorry. Grow up. Period. You can't ever be in the left. Okay. Period. Uh. Period. Uh. Period. Uh. Period. Uh. Yeah. God, anyway, so uh, yeah. Just, with all that said, if you actually believe in that, then we're just naturally seeing class struggle. We're gonna figure it out. Yeah, but I think we have to be more intentional about helping people figure it out. Well, and I think no, that's, what I'm saying. I think that's the, the goal. Yeah. But if you, if you use the right tactic, then you can make it happen faster. And yeah. no one's using the right tactics right now. That, that, that's the debate uh, that we're having because we're trying to consolidate tactics. And that I think some people are, though. I think, I, I mean, I'll be honest. I think, I think tactics and just the way they return. I do think, look, I, I think, God, oh my who, God. who's, who's so, really yeah. doing it best? That's so great. She just said, the class is struggling. <laughs> you can have class struggle. You have to have struggle in the class. Yeah, and the that's class. what we're working out. <laughs> yeah. I, but I do think, look, I, I'll say this, and then maybe we, we can end it since it's about 10 p.m. here, and I um, still got to. Struggle. No, it's okay. It's you know, but um, I do love well, these you're talks. Only 33 and thirty-three and do period jokes. So I that's right. To that's right. Well, I'm. I uh, I was gonna make another period joke, but we folks, there's not funny about a period. Okay, they're, they're beautiful little, wonderful little things that we all have. Every single one of yeah. us. Okay. Tons of things um, are funny about periods. <laughs> God, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. But um. <laughs> anyway. What am I? God, I'm so fucking distracted by just bloody vag now. Jesus, what was I oh, saying? I know. I was saying. Oh, it, it was. Oh, it God, I can't remember. My brain is fried. Besides that, it's late. Look, I, 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 I say. Oh yeah, the tactics. Tactics. I think. I, I honestly do think this. I. I think. 
And I know I keep saying Brianna Joy Gray, Brianna Joy Gray, Brianna Joy Gray. Y'all know I'm like a fanboy at this point, but I am legit impressed by some of the shit she's like sneaking in. You oh, know? I know. I am impressed. I thought The Hill would be a terrible move, but I think that is really nice, actually. I think there's some, I think there's some really good stuff she's been able to get in there. And I think someone who's offering like a, a, a truer sort of class analysis or something that shows, that gets away from some of the, the things that are really meant to divide people and make them conflict in a way to where they're not realizing their common interests. I think she's doing a pretty good job at tearing that down and seeing that that's a tactic that I think is working. I, I think it is too. And if I could add this about Brianna, I know you're talking about like, I know, I know I always mention her. I'm a fanboy. No, no, no. What you're recognizing is that she is an effective vehicle. That's it. Effective, it effective, to, effective. It has nothing to do with her as a person. Somehow she's conglomerated a set of skills that allows her to serve a certain function. What yeah. is actually happening to her is that the struggle is pull, pulling her towards the left. It is not mm. anything to do with her. She has been, she has decided, she's like looked at something in a certain way. Her eye has been drawn to it and she's gone down the path. She's a Hillary's person. She's a Bernie's person. She does this, she does this. And then even if you look on her show, then she starts bringing on further and further and further left people. And then mm-hmm. she transfers that back to the Hill. We are pulling her. She isn't pulling her. I- I think I think it's yeah, I think there's a lot of truth to what you're saying here, because I do think I think she's, you know, some of these conversations she's had on Colin in particular, which is so crazy to say, but I think they are sort of pulling her to the left. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's very fucking interesting. And I think that I mean, like, look, I'm I'm kind of the same way here. Right. Like I find myself agreeing with tactics or like I, ideas that. I just was not getting exposed to. So when I'm hearing it now, it's like, well, that you're not wrong. You know, it's, it's, it's tough to, you know, it's, it's interesting, but I do think that she's an extremely effective vehicle at doing yep. it. I think from a skill set standpoint, uh, I will never believe anybody who talks shit about a comms major again, because holy shit. Like, just the ability to cut, like, wow, 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 wow. The ability to cut through, uh, to shape a message, to, like, shape a message in a way that's, that's, oh, sorry, go ahead, what were you saying? I thought she was a a law major. Well, no, she wasn't a law major. You don't have to be a pre-law major to go to law school. I think she was, like, she was going to do something for, like, science at first. I think she was going to be a doctor. And then she uh, ended up either majoring or minoring in comms, but, like... Communications, holy shit, she must. Oh, I know. You're cutting out. You're cutting out. Fuck me, fuck me, fuck me, fuck me, fuck me. Comms is incredibly important. I actually, years ago, I dated, like, the press secretary for the governor of my state. And he would just get these calls in the middle of the night with like whatever legislators and stuff like panicking about like, oh, my God, this just happened. What do I say? And he would just be like, OK, calm down. Tell me the situation. And then he would just immediately like spit out like this, like perfect fucking response. So comms is. Yeah. Comms is voodoo. Yeah. 
legitimate voodoo. And she's That's really very funny. good at it. Like, she is so good. She can yeah. pressure anybody and make them uncomfortable. Cool. I don't ever want to talk. I don't ever want to be questioned by her. Scary to call into her show. <laughs> I think it's good, though, honestly, because, like, you know, learn, try to learn from it. Or, yeah. I don't know. I'm just thinking of that hot boyfriend you had from just telling people how to communicate political crises and then taking his shirt off and showing them yeah. nips. Then, <laughs> oh, just get, I, get I you could, some of that I nip shit. I could demolish you uh, just and make you look so cold. Who, me? Yeah. How? Oh, Why? you mean that hot stud that died of cancer six months ago? Which one was that? Oh, that he d- oh no. <laughs> Your fucking boyfriend died of cancer? My Holy boyfriend. F- okay. Oh, fuck. Was it X because of death or X no. because of... Okay. No, Ooh. anyway, I was just saying, like, I really could. No, he he fought a good fight. He, oh, man. He, he, did, he did die prematurely, but he was a good man. Um, and he lived his whole life. Damn, maybe he could have, like... I guess you just can't communicate with cancer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, dude. I just fucking had to. Holy shit. Well, let's, uh, let's, uh, <laughs> specialist can't beat. <sighs> the one place where okay, diplomacy well, didn't work. All right. We've ruined this politely dignified evening. No, it's good. It's a good evening. Okay. I think we've had a lot of, we've gone a lot of different places. We've, we've, it, it's. Uh, I, I'm going to be thinking about some of the stuff that happened in this conversation a lot, actually, okay. and just going through really my mind. The second that I came in after my meeting. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it got pretty hot towards the end. It got hot. Hot. Mm-hmm. Like your uh, ex-boyfriend. I'm sorry. Fuck me. Jesus, He's bye. Cold. Go to bed. I'm sorry. Oh, stop. Stop. Oh, no. <laughs> no, I'm feeling bad. End it, bye. Okay. You have two seconds, and then we're closing it out. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, thanks. Thanks for calling in, Shelly. Yeah, thank Appreciate you. it. Okay. Um, ladies and gentlemen, our politicians, you know, are selling us out. It's across the aisle. It's from the so-called progressives as well. I don't want to be one who keeps bashing on progressives with the quotation marks, just like we have a lot of these people uh, who bash on them. But look, call a spade a spade. What does this mean for us? Well, a couple of things. We talked about ways that we can try to reform parts of the electoral system here and there, little things that we can do. Ranked choice voting, I think, is a good thing, regardless of where we're putting it at. Um... Campaign finance reform, sure, but the chances of that getting through, represent us have been trying to do that for 10 plus years, have made very modest gains, if that. And now they're funded by a bunch of different, like, grants and funds, which, you know, once you start getting into that, maybe they're just not doing shit anymore. Who knows? Um, I think what's clear here, though, is more people need to know about this more people need to understand that the system as it's currently quote unquote functioning is fundamentally broken. 
they need to, this is something you should be mad at. You should be upset. Heard some smart stuff from a lot of good people tonight. Uh, pay attention to them. And don't be afraid to talk amongst yourselves and figure shit out. But yeah, uh, let's just say this. I'm looking forward to the next time. I hope that some people see this report, this New York Times report, and some of this data. And and, and I hope Rokana doesn't suddenly stop going on their shows. And I'm looking forward to the next time someone can look him in the eye and make him put his money where his mouth is instead of where his wife's stocks are. All right, y'all. Thank you for coming to the Fred Hampton Inn and Suites. Hope you enjoyed your stay. Good night.